Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Much to do on the program today. Orioles took two out of three, but the bats did kind of go silent again as the weekend went on against the Pirates. We'll talk about it. Coming up a little bit later on this morning, our buddy Rick Dempsey is back. He's back in town. Got hooked up with the baseball warehouse, which we like. He was at the Orioles game yesterday. Would have been nice to have seen some runs. We'll talk with Rick. We love Uncle Rick around these parts. Also this morning, we will preview. Orioles-Angels gets underway. Griffin was right the first time. Should have trusted his gut. Shohei Otani pitches tonight. Against Grayson Rodriguez. Nice little... Uh, I knew the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. The thing is, you screwed it up on Friday. Well, I just... No, no, no. You screwed it I, up on Friday. I just Friday. didn't confirm it. No, you screwed it up on Friday. I screw it up. No, you did. Screw is a long, strong word. No, you screwed it up on Friday. And this is where, again, I know this is a difficult thing for people of a certain age. Just a little accountability. You're no. right. I screwed it up. I'm sorry. I should have. I should have. I was right four days in a row. And what happened on Friday? I just didn't. I just didn't quintuple down. No, no. You said something else. I said it. This I is said not it. hard. I said it may look like they no, want him to start. Just Tuesday. acknowledge you got it wrong. I don't think nobody's going to take you to the firing squad. You're not going to be executed in front of your family. <laughs> just acknowledge you got it wrong, and then we can move forward, and life will be okay. It's not I, hard. I, I don't think I got it wrong. You did get it wrong. You said Tuesday. I said it looks like. Yes. They may want him to go Tuesday. And what? Is he going on After Tuesday? Saying he, no, it's I, not. No, no, no. Going Stop. And nobody's asking you about what happened on Thursday. What happened on Friday? What happened on Friday? There was a little bit of confusion. There was a little bit of confusion. No, there was a little bit of confusion. All over. There was confusion. What did you say? What day did you say I, he was going to I don't remember pitch? exactly what I said. It's not hard. I don't know why we struggle so much. The accountability, it's some a millennial thing. It's like... Uh, I'm not even a millennial. What are you, a post-millennial? I'm, yeah, I'm post-millennial. Oh, God. I'm a Gen Z. It's even worse, you probably yeah, smell. Yeah, Gen Z. No, I don't Jesus do Christ. I? That guy smells. I was around him at Preakness that year. He stunk. Like, smelled. It was an odor... It was a I haven't showered in a month type of odor. Well, that's, like, why, that's how you know he makes good music. Well, he doesn't make good music. Well, he does. He's had like three he's, good songs. He's made one of the greatest most. songs of all time. What? Sunflower. That was a good song, yes. I agree. That's the one. Circles is pretty good. It was not. He's got a lot of good music. No, no, no. He's got a lot of what Congratulations. people of a certain age believe passes as good music. Because you're not sure what good music is. No, Sunflower I know what good music good is. Music. I, I don't believe that, actually. Yeah, three of the greatest songs of all time, I think. No. Not even in... Come oh, on. my God. Congratulations, oh, Circles and Sunflower. God. That's a... I can't do this. I can't work in these conditions. I can't. I can't. I can't. It's all right. We're not going to talk. We're going to talk Tyler Wells and... Can't! Cedric I gotta Mullins. Go. I got to go. There's got to be a better way for me to spend my day. There's just got to be a better way for me to spend my day. <sighs> later on in the morning. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe later on in the morning. Or maybe I'm just going to quit. <laughs> later on in the morning. I said I like, like Post Malone. No, no, no. It's nothing wrong with you liking Post Malone. This is the, I like lots of things. I don't just make up hyperbole. I, first of all, Post Malone's not very good. That's okay. I understand that for a, your generation, <laughs> he's not. 
But I understand that your generation has kind of embraced him. By the way, you're not the only one. Friggin' Bob Baffert came to town once and was raving about Post Malone. <laughs> there are people that really like Post Malone. His music isn't classically good. It's just sort of what, when we've kind of dumbed everything down and taken away like the concept of what music is supposed to be, it feels like it's speaking to you. And I get that. And I acknowledge that I have music that I care about a great deal because it spoke to me when I was a young person. Now, I don't try to confuse it with being the greatest. I, There's I don't a think lot of greatest songs of all time I, is my point. No. And I love the when band. When this song plays in 20 here's, years. Here's the deal. I love the, uh, the nobody. They, I, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything that Post Malone has done that will be memorable in 20 years. I think those three songs I, I just no, named. I think Sunflower has a chance. Sunflower is actually a good song. There's like actual musical sequencing involved. Post Malone's not a good singer. He's not a good rapper. He's just sort of somebody that can do any of these things. And again, we don't think that it matters anymore whether you can sing or not. We just say, go ahead. We gotten over that some time ago, whether or not you're good. We were like, go do it anyway. Go ahead. We'll fix it in production and make it sound like you're a good singer. When he, nuts. He's got talent. When he does I Fall Apart acoustic, I mean... Nobody's arguing. By the way, the best thing I ever heard him do is he did, like, a Nirvana cover during the pandemic. There you go. And he's still not a good singer, but, like, I, I couldn't... I had never heard him play the guitar, and it sounded really good. I was like, this man has more talent than his music lets on. It's just not singing. He's not a classical singer. He's somebody that decided he was going to be a singer. And, again, we live in the era where... You don't have to be able to sing in order to be a, be a singer. I gotta it's a find weird... out when he's on tour again. I want to I want to go just to spite you. And... I, that's not gonna bother me. <laughs> you gotta understand. You going to see Post Malone will have no impact on my life whatsoever. That part, I, I I want you to go. I want you to have a great time. But in the same way that I loved the band Eve Six when I was a kid, I am never going to attempt don't to suggest compare Post Malone to Eve Six. You're right. Eve Six was better. No, no, they were. I mean, this is all due respect. Their music was better. But that being said, I understand he's speaking to people. And that that's just what we do. And that's what matters. It's just that we don't throw around hyperbole because of it. The greatest songs. Nonsense. They're really good songs. There's one that's really good. He made a really good song. He's in Amsterdam one. Friday. There you go. Hop on a plane. Yeah. Go have yourself a time. What the hell is going on around here? I don't. I don't like anything that's oh, he's happening. A, he's right in Manchester now. tomorrow night. He's in Manchester tomorrow night. Great. My hometown. Great. Oh, yeah, Manchester. He Manchester, in, Maryland. In Carroll County. He's going out there. What would be the big, biggest venue in Manchester? <laughs> the high school? Yeah, Manchester <laughs> Valley. Yes. You're just playing That'd in the gym. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I would still pass. I would still say, you go have yourself an evening. I'm in a tough spot because I want to go to the game tonight, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to or not. I got a mm. lacrosse game this afternoon. I got... I got things thinging around these parts. I don't know how it's going to work out for me. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat at this point. I like what? What do you got? I'm going, going over to the other station after this. Oh, and well, I'm going to be there. Be there till probably pretty late. But then I got another thing tomorrow. You, you got to be there until pretty late. What's pretty late? I don't know. I don't know how long they want me to stay. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, maybe you should like, ask. I don't want to just leave. Okay, but again, I think that you can ask. Like, are they planning on having you there until two in the morning? I don't. I, I don't think so. Okay, well then maybe you'd be able to go. It's a very weird bit that you're doing over there. Well, pal. there's other stuff I got to work on. I don't know. Okay, there's, well, yeah. do you do you? <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna make it or not. Uh, I would really like to go though. I'm gonna see if I can't get out there at some point this week. Um, yeah. By the way, later on in the show, before I get thrown off by Griffin trying to 
rave about post Malone. By the way, legitimately smelled. That's not a, that's not shtick. That's not shtick. I would be honored to smell his stench. What is wrong with you? What is ro- what? He's the artist of a generation. He's, I mean, oh my god! The most terrifying part about that sentence is that there's a chance it might be right. I mean, it's that's the terrifying part about it. Is that like you might not that one of all the things you so said? Just because he smelled bad, like, you don't I can like him? say other things are no, 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 no. His music is my problem. I can say other things are hyperbole. Like I, I can understand that you again either you just lack of context or you're you're prone to hyperbole. You can say certain things. <laughs> But you Both. might not be wrong. Like, it might very well be that he is the artist of a generation, which is just wretched. No. It's, no, it's so not. wretched. Oh, I hate everything. I just want to go home, man. This this world is just not for me anymore. I'm like, Rita, I need that asteroid already. <laughs> like, let's just end it. Let's just end it already. For God's sakes, nothing good is happening here. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Got a good show. show today. Marty Morningweg's <laughs> going to join us. He was with the Ravens the last time they went to London, and it didn't go well. So maybe he can explain to us what happened. Maybe he can explain to us why it is that it was such an ungodly disaster. Because I could sense that when the uh, the next trip to London was announced, there were a few of you that were like, "Uh, I kind of rather not." But believe it or not, not everyone has gone to London and got their brains beat in. So. What happened to the Ravens that they got their brains beaten in London? Like, can we just blame London because Jacksonville went to London too, and they were just fine? It was the cruise ship that they took over, right? The cruise ship that they announced on April Fool's Day that legitimately people bought. <laughs> I mean, I believed. Of course you did. Of course you did. I mean, I was 16 listening to Post Malone. I guess that's you, <laughs> that's that's what happened to our society. It's what's happened to us. We have nothing to offer the world any longer. God. Uh, also, Jeremy Kahn joins us because it is a Monday. Today's show brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels, heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is here. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Um, obviously, Friday night was a very special night at the ballpark and it's funny I, I tweeted about this it's on friday morning stan brought I'm, I'm writing about cedric today at pressboxonline.com stan and i were talking about the coming log jam that the orioles are going to deal with and stan reminded and that's not his idea it's something that we talked about for some time going into the season there were a lot of questions about how certain people fit in to the the moving forward roster situation for the Baltimore Orioles, whether it be Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, or even Cedric Mullins. It was one of the bigger storylines for this baseball team coming into the year was trying to figure out who's part of a championship contending roster who maybe isn't. Whether it's because they're not quite good enough, whether it's because their value might be more on the trade market, whatever the reasoning being, with the resets being at Adley Rutschman and everything after, like the Counting Crows, Rutschman and everything after, with that sort of being the reset, the question kind of became who from before Adley Rutschman is definitely part of this thing. And we kind of had some laughs about this, that for as fun as last year's season was, 
if you told me, hey, guarantee how many of these players are going to be part of a true championship contending roster in Baltimore, I would have said Adling Gunner. And that's the list. As far as position players are concerned, I, I, I can't even get in on the other side. That literally, I said multiple times, was the extent that I was willing to say with confidence, these guys are definitely part of it. Which wasn't to say I think that no one else will be part of it. It's that I didn't know who else could be part of it. And figuring out whose window would line up with the Orioles' window for championship contention, in part, what, what is the Orioles' window for championship contention? Age of those players? Whether or not the team would commit to them? All of those questions. And Cedric Mullins was squarely in that conversation. So on Friday morning, Stan reminded, as we were talking about, you know, the possibility of what they could do at the deadline, Stan was like, well, you know, there's also the possibility that we could trade Cedric Mullins. And if you heard my kind of guttural reaction, it was, I've changed my mind about that. You can't trade Cedric Mullins. He does too much. There's too much value there. No, he's not going to be the player that he was in 2021. That was an anomaly. But he does too many other things for you to trade Cedric Mullins. And, of course, then we have what happened Friday night, right? Now, it was funny because I was from that conversation I had with Stan, Josh, Josh Charles, started texting me, despite the fact that he's in Paris, at, like, 3 a.m. Paris time as we were both watching the game. And we started talking about Cedric Mullins. And it was like right after the catch. Mm. I'm still very frustrated about it. I know. Because I, he hit I, the cycle. I, like everybody's forgotten I was like, about I was like, what catch? Oh, yes. Yeah, he the catch. <laughs> and I started saying, hey, did you listen today? Your, your uncle and I were talking about Cedric. Stan said he wants and, him gone. No, he didn't. He didn't say that. That's unfair to Stan. <laughs> but Josh was like, yeah, I listened today. And I agree with you. And we kept going. We, like, we just spent like five minutes texting each other about how much we love Cedric Mullins. And then that happened. That creates the most iconic moment for Cedric Mullins and starts to, I I don't want to be, again, unlike Griffin who loves hyperbole, I don't want to be hyperbolic about it. I don't want to suggest that suddenly because he had one really special night, it vaults Cedric Mullins into the pantheon of the great stars in Orioles history or something like that. But it does create an iconic moment for Cedric Mullins. That will be remembered even more so than other Orioles. No one remembers that Jonathan VR hit for the cycle. No one. Jonathan VR might not remember that Jonathan VR hit for the cycle. No one remembers that. For some reason, we all remember that Felix P.A. did, but it's just because it was so utterly bizarre. And, of course, Aubrey Huff. Right, and Aubrey Huff hit for the cycle. Um, I think most of us had kind of – not most of us. I think a lot of us had forgotten that Austin Hayes hit for the cycle just last season. But the nature of what Cedric Mullins did, again, hitting this big home run and the night that they introduced the bird bath and they're cutting to the camera and the splashing, and the, it creates a really iconic moment and a memory that will stick with us for some time. And it was in that moment that I started reconsidering the way that I look at Cedric Mullins. And diving more in on, I didn't realize this, you know Cedric Mullins actually leads the team in war right now? Does he? Which is a little surprising I, to me. I would assume Mateo and Rutschman yeah, were Mateo a bit Mateo was higher. leading for a while. I guess he it, cooled Mateo's off. cooled off a little yeah. bit. And it's very close. It's like 1.4 for um, 
Cedric Mullins. It's 1.3 for Rutschman, maybe 1.2. Like, nobody's running away in the war department. But at the moment, Cedric Mullins has a slight lead. And, of course, he led the team in war in 2021. And I don't know that I realized he was second in war a year ago behind, obviously, only Adley Rutschman. And I started thinking about some things. And I think this weekend became kind of an eye-opening moment for me. And as much as I felt what I felt on Friday, and I did, I I had started to look at Cedric Mullins in a different light. Yes, right now, what he's doing with runners in scoring position this season is absurd. He he can't, it's impossible to stay on that pace. He cannot hit 455 with runners in scoring position for the entirety of the season. That's where you're supposed to say, well, not with that attitude. Um not with that. Don't worry. I'll I'll teach you a thing or two. You can keep listening to Post Malone. I'll handle all of the broadcasting. Um, that can't happen. But he was he hit 280 or so with runners in scoring position a year ago. It was coming that he was improving in that department. And even as that number cools off as the season goes on, I, I what I've accepted is that Cedric Mullins is a different type of player. He's not going to be a 30-home run hitter. That's insane that he ever did that. He's also on pace to steal something like 50-some bases this year. I don't think that's going to happen. And go 50 for 50. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen either, although it could. That's the crazy part. Like, if he can stay healthy for the entire season, it's not impossible that he could steal close to 50 bases this year. And the bigger point being that if the rules remain the same, that even in the coming years, if his speed diminishes even slightly, I think he's still a relevant base-stealing threat, and his speed still plays because of the way that the rules have changed. Where he might not be in four years a 30-stolen base guy, or sorry, 50-stolen base guy, but he could still be a 25-30-stolen to 30 stolen base guy. All of this is to say, I'm starting to think that the Orioles can almost do what they did with Adam Jones with Cedric Mullins. And I'm not trying to make Cedric, Cedric Mullins Adam Jones. Adam Jones was a better power hitter for sure. And I think an overall better player than Cedric Mullins. Although when Cedric Mullins has been at his best, you could argue yeah. Cedric Mullins has been better. It's just that, again, you almost have to dismiss the 30 home run thing. You almost have to pretend like that never happened because it's so unlikely he's going to do it again. But at the time, the Orioles had their guy. It was Manny Machado. He wasn't there yet. But Manny Machado, in 2012, everyone knew, was the Orioles' superstar future. And yet, they chose to invest in Adam Jones. Now, as disappointing as it is the Orioles screwed up the Manny Machado thing, Adam Jones became a a central figure for a generation of winning Orioles baseball. Everyone knows now that Adley Rutschman is the face. He's the superstar. He's the guy. And we all want to see the Orioles invest in Adley Rutschman. I'm not suggesting that if they were to spend money to give a an extension to Cedric Mullins, that that should pacify us should they not sign Adley Rutschman. But I think the value of it is significant. And I've come around on the idea that if they're not going to get Adley Rutschman done, at least not now, they could buy a lot of good favor from this fan base 
at a much more affordable price. Cedric Mullins' situation is so unique because he's going to be past 30 by the time he becomes a free agent. It's just it's such a unique situation that he finds himself in. If I'm the Orioles, I have the chance to do a five, maybe a six-year deal that takes him into his mid-30s is not extraordinary in how much it costs. It's in the neighborhood of like the Byron Buxton deal. It certainly wouldn't cost as much as Adley Rutschman appears like he would cost at this point to avoid free agency. And to still make a statement with this fan base about, hey, this is our guy. Celebrate him. Celebrate the role that he has played in getting this team to this point and the role he's going to continue to play moving forward. And while he might never be a star of stars in baseball, the way that Adley Rutschman has the chance to be, he is a central figure and an exciting reason for you to want to get to the ballpark. And you have moments that you have shared, that you've loved with him. And it all kind of came clear to me over the course of the weekend. Again, I'm writing about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. But I think that that, that really stood out to me, that there's an opportunity there for the Orioles, again, to plant their flag with someone and to say, this guy is part of this. We're confident about that for at least the next five to six years. Today's show is brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Of course, you're betting on baseball legally on your phone for the first time ever in the state of Maryland this season. And if you want to do that, you should make sure you take advantage of all of the great incentives and offers that are available to you. Like, for example, right now, DraftKings is offering you the opportunity. I don't know why somebody got rid of my read here. I don't know what happened there. Oh, there it is. Thank you. I was trying to vamp, make it sound professional. Boy, what a professional I sound like now. DraftKings is offering you up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet, but you got to go to pressboxonline.com offers and click on the DraftKings logo in order to take advantage of it. Orioles Angels starting tonight for four games. Of course, the big one tonight, Shohei Otani on the mound. Joining us, of course, outstanding former MLB pitcher, now color analyst for the LA Angels. He is Mark Gubiza, and he's with us now here on GCR. Mark, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. No problem. Hey, great save on that read, man. It's not easy to do, man. Dude. You sold me on it. You know, I, I appreciate the <laughs> fact that you're giving me credit for it. I thought I could still keep holding on to, like, that beat of the, well, it's a great offer. And hey, I vamped for so long in this business that uh, I just couldn't do it. I had to be able to come up with that piece of paper in front of me. Hey, uh, I've been there, done that. I know that. <laughs> uh, it, you know, I have no doubt that somebody hands you a paper during the course of the broadcast, says, hey, you got to get that in. And then you put it to the side at some point, and you say, "What the? Where'd it go? <laughs> Where the hell happened there?" Mark, um, I, you know, this is such a look. It's weird because a week ago the Rays were in town, and I didn't feel the juice, despite the fact that these are two of the best teams in baseball. But yet the Angels come to town, and all—it's all everybody in town is talking about. Well, I got to get to the ballpark. I got to see Shohei Otani. I got to see Mike Trout. I got to do it. How kind of strange has it been? Because it's got to have been feeling like you've almost been around the Beatles these last few years. And yet, of course, we all know the flip side, which is 
without the results that clearly everybody in Anaheim was hoping for over these these last five to ten years. Yeah, Glenn, I'll tell you, every, everywhere we go, you know, whether it's, you know, even at home, it's every time when Shoei is on the mound, and obviously he's going to be hitting in the same game. you got Mike Trout, too, hitting either right in front of him or, or right behind him in the lineup. The, the excitement level is incredible everywhere. And, you know, because especially with Shohei when he's on the mound, you just don't know if that's going to be one of those moments. As a baseball fan, you're going to go, wow, right. I've seen something that I've never seen before. And he hasn't really pitched a whole lot against the O's in his career. So uh, if you're an Oriole fan, I mean, you, get, you know, it's one of my all-time favorite ballparks, Camden Yards. I mean, you got to be running down there. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a blast tonight, especially the weather looks great, uh, you know, the team. You know, he's had many opportunities to win games this year. A few games have gotten away. They've been really competitive late in games. Uh, their offense has been great. But, uh, you know, again, like you said, you got to start, you know, get to the point where you, you just every game you go out there, you're going to win. And you got to get to the postseason. So it's as it's, it's tough as it's been. There's still a game over 500. There's, there's some things they got to clean up. They played a pretty good defensive series. You know, this last one out there. So hopefully that's something that carries on like they did against the Guardians because that was something early on with guys playing out of position has been an, an issue, but it, it's getting better, that's for sure. Mark, how do you define it? How do you explain so much talent, so much investment, and yet just not quite there? We all see it, and of course the internet laughs about it, but, you know, it's the Tungsten Armo Doyle tweet over and over again. But h- how is it possible that the Angels have had this much? and yet this little to show for. Yeah, I mean, Glenn, that's a great question. And, like, every game, I still feel like, you know, I'm out there pitching with, with my teammates, but, you know, doing this broadcasting, you just go, I'm scratching my head. I'm thinking, there's games, you know, you almost kind of pencil in your book, okay, that's a W, and then all of a sudden some things go crazy and it doesn't work out. Um, you know, I, I think they're starting to build, a, a, you know, a feeling they did in spring training. I know Mike Trout said it right away in spring. This is, a, you know, it's a huge year for many reasons. One, yeah, obviously, that's your goal every year is to go to the postseason and win a World Series. Two, you want to be successful, so you make sure that Shohei Otani really does want to stay here and, and sign long term right. with the Angels. So, so many things come into play. Uh, that, you know, I think the guys know this, and 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 you want to go out there and, and win every single game. Like every every team wants to do that, but. You know they're at the point now where they got to put together a winning streak, and now they're going in against a team like the O's right now, who are playing exceptional baseball. That they know this is going to be a tough one, four-game series here. But uh, there hasn't been one game, really, maybe one or two games all season where you felt, wow, they didn't play real well. They've had opportunities, and they've had leads in almost every single game so far this year, one point or another. At some point, you're going to start winning them. They just got to get that attitude that once you get the lead, we're going to hold on and going to win games. He's Mark Gubas, of course, former World Series champion, now with the Angels broadcast team. He's with us here on GCR. Mark, uh, I know that both Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon were out of the lineup yesterday. Are they both good to go for this week? Yeah, I was pretty much a scheduled day off for the off day, and Trout came in the pinch hit, and he crushed the ball. I even talked to him last night. even texted him after we were commiserating about the Sixers game last night. Uh, 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 Oh, right, two Philly guys. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, I said, dude, I mean, the launch angle and exit velocity, that's got to be a home run, but the wind was really howling in from center field, so he, he'll be ready to go today and put up some numbers. Anthony Rendon's another story. We don't know the extent of the groin issue he has right now. That You know, it might be a few days. They might 
put him on the IL. I don't know 100% yet. There hasn't been anything official, but he definitely wasn't comfortable coming out of the game two nights ago. Okay, that's we'll monitor that this week. Um, I, I want to go back to Shohei, if I could. You brought up, obviously, his, his future, and I think that's a major question that sort of stands all over baseball. But I, just take me through how many times, like, the, as a broadcaster, how do you define it? Like, how do you possibly explain in words what it is that you're watching? Because it it's just impossible to me, and it's why I do think that you're going to have – you know, six or 8,000 more fans show up at the ballpark tonight than maybe a typical Monday night game in Baltimore. Like, what? I, 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 so it's impossible for me to even get the words out to ask about it because it's so insane what it is that we've watched with this man. Yeah, I know. It's almost like, Glenn, right now we're taking for granted. But then I step back and I go, this is unreal. I mean, we, there's always those comparisons with Babe Ruth. And, you know, he just passed Babe Ruth. You know, right. all times, you know, what he struck batters out, like 501 it was, or 502 when it officially came out. And then I still go back to this, this two game set he had last year against the Kansas City Royals, where as a batter, the night before he's DHing, he's pitching the next day. So that day he had two three run home runs, drove in eight runs, which is in itself is an incredible game. Then he followed up the very next day with eight shutout innings with 13 strikeouts, which was the career high for him in that game. And I'm thinking, how in the world does that happen? How do you do that in back-to-back games? I'm pretty sure, that, you know, as I remember, I don't think that's ever happened in a, in a week, let alone back-to-back games or even in a season, for somebody to do that. So every day you go and, and watch him, like he's throwing, you know, a sinker out of nowhere, and it's 97 miles an hour. And then he's throwing a slider-slash-sweeper. I know that's a terminology we're all using now that, that it makes hitters look like they have no chance at the plate. And then one game I'll throw a split-finger fastball in the first, and then he won't throw it again to the sixth. And one day, I mean, this put in perspective how crazy this dude is. He threw a curveball in the fifth inning. And granted, he hadn't thrown one, like, the whole game. And it had a 73-inch vertical drop. I mean, that's what not that? human. What is that's that? That's not human. Yeah, it's not human. And I'm thinking, well, how's he doing this? And he's swinging the bat. I mean, his batting average this season, granted, he doesn't have as many home runs on the day. He pitches well over 300. I, don't, I have no idea how he does it. I really, I, I could barely get out of bed the next day after I pitched, <laughs> right. and yet he's, yet he's hitting a fastball at 98 miles an hour, going 450 feet. I mean, it's just, it's so cool to say we're watching this because I, I can't imagine anyone ever doing this again. It really would be almost impossible because he plays like 150 plus games every year, along with what he's doing on the mound. It's just, it's just. It's mind-boggling. I, look, I know we're going to be talking about insane numbers. I mean, there have been like conversation about him being a sixty to seventy million dollar a year ball player because of everything he does. Do, do you have a sense at all for, you know, like are are the Angels willing to pay an amount of money we've never seen before for a baseball player? We know how much they paid in the past, but as we talked about, they don't have the results to show for it, and. And what do we know about Shohei and what he's all about and what he wants to do as a baseball player? Yeah, I know he really is appreciative that the Angels have given him all these opportunities. I mean, especially when he first signed. At that point, you didn't have the universal DH, so there was only a limited amount of American League clubs basically were willing to do this. Then you have to have your pitching staff bite into the willing to pitch with a six-man rotation. And then you're thinking, I really can't give – Mike Trout or Anthony Rendon or any other player a day off as a DH because you already have the best DH in the game playing every day. So there's a commitment for the organization, but there's also 
you know, respect that Shohei has for the organization for giving him all these opportunities. So that definitely comes into play when, it, when, when you talk about, you know, long-term signing and, and keeping him an angel throughout his entire career. But that being said, I mean, he's said it himself and it's like Trout says that you got to win, you got to win. And when you sign Shohei, if it's 10 years, it's, you know, 600 million, 10 years at 500 million, or you have a shorter five year with crazy, you know, average salary of about 70 million or whatever they come up with numbers wise, mm-hmm. then, you, you know, then you put in with Trout and Anthony, you have a lot of your, your money as far as, you know, your, your cap or your, your luxury tax level that, uh, you know, then how many more other players can you bring in? That's the thing you worry about as an organization, but that's why, you know, Perry Manassian, the GM, has really made a conscious effort to have a ton of really good young players knocking at the door to, you know, be ready in the minor leagues. And there's some depth in there, especially on the pitching side. There's a lot of good young outfielders and a couple of good young infielders. We've got one now already who was just last year was playing at Campbell University, and that's Zach Neto playing shortstop. So yeah. they have, the you know, the players now to do that. But, you know, it's just hard for me to think you can you know, allow the, the great all-time player like Shohei Otani move and go somewhere else. Um, you know, just besides Shohei, there are other guys that are going to pitch in this series. Mark, what can you tell us about um, – I, I think we know a little bit about Tyler Anderson, but Chase Silseth, I, we don't know much of anything about here in Baltimore, and I still don't know that we know a whole lot about Griffin Canning. Can you tell us a, lot, a little bit about the guys we're going to see the next couple of nights? Well, First of which, Chase Silseth, I kind of remind him I, every time I talk to people and they ask me the same question about him, kind of reminds me, and you guys know him a lot out here in Baltimore, is you know Alec Manoa, that kind of fierce competitor. Mm-hmm. Really, he's got a really good split-finger fastball, throws, you know, he's 94, 98 mile an hour. He's developed a cutter, which has been effective for him against left-handed batters because left-handed batters had a lot of success against him last year. So he needed that and also is a good slider. Very, very very competitive guy. I mean, really competitive guy that, you know, there'll never be an issue with a pitch timer with him. He's ready to throw a baseball like one second after he gets back on pitching rubber. Uh, Griffin Canning, he's been out really since 21, but he's thrown the ball well. It's, you know, I I believe in when you trust, and I know my my good buddy Jim Palmer says the same thing all the time. If he trusts his fastball, that down and away fastball, he's got a chance of being really good. So, and Tyler, Tyler Anderson's a guy that, He's not going to wow you with velocity, uh, but he's a soft contact. You know, his exit velocity rate is low, but if he gets the middle of the plate, that's when he runs into a little bit of a problem. But he's a, he's a, you know, he's a magician out there on, on the mound as far as, you know, manipulating soft contact by hitters against him. So you won't see Reed Detmers, even though his numbers aren't great, and, and obviously Patrick Sandoval pitched yesterday. Those two lefties are special. So right. they haven't put it all together yet as their starting rotation. I thought that was going to be a major, you know, plus side for them. But I, you know, I believe the way they're going and what they did last year, that that'll turn around and it'll be consistent. So, you know, they just got to be able to find ways to go deep in the game and, and minimize how many extra outs you got to get out of your bullpen. All right. We have to ask the million dollar question. I think we're coming up on the series finale of the Goldbergs. Are we really never going to see you show up at any point on the show? <laughs> I, I know. You know, I throw it out there all the time and I go like, Hey, how about, you know, how about a kid from Roxborough area in Philadelphia join in? I went there with Ben Charter for five years. I said, help a guy out of here. I love to. I, I Believe me, I joke around all the time. I see Ruben, you know, Amara Jr. on there all the right. time. And I go, why is he on there? I mean, what, what's the deal with that? But, 
It is what it is. And maybe uh, Matt Ryan gets on there, too, for all I right, know. Right. <laughs> Who has nothing to do. But my, I guess maybe retired from football. It's a complicated story. It's a very complicated story where Matt Ryan announced he was going to CBS but isn't retiring. This is a very weird bit. Yeah, um, I, I joked around with him already today on the social media when I saw that. It's, pretty funny. Like, well, it's very weird, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, if he is retiring, a hell of a career, obviously. For Matt Ryan. Yeah, no doubt. Mark Gubas, uh, it should be an exciting four days in Baltimore. I'm expecting some really electric atmospheres. Obviously, the Orioles have been playing really well, and uh, the, the, the traveling rock star show that is the Angels should be a fun week. Uh, really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Enjoy the stay here in Baltimore, all right? Yeah, Glenn, this is always my favorite. I love coming to this ballpark. I'll tell you what, I can't wait. I'm so excited for the fans out here to get this team the way they're built now. They're going to be built to win for a lot of years. It's going to be great for all the fans. It's here. exciting for us. We've, we've been through a lot, as you know, in this city. You made yeah, a lot of oh, trips yeah. here where there was no life whatsoever in Baltimore. Exactly. It is a really I'm exciting excited. time. Thanks, Mark. Really appreciate you, man. You got it, Glenn. Have a good one. You too. Mark Goob is, a, uh, of course, a, a two time All Star and a hell of a pitcher himself. And. Um, part of the Angels broadcast crew. It's it's such a weird vibe, right? Where like it's not first place versus first place. It's not, but yet it feels like on paper the most electric midweek series of the season. And you know, once you get to September, throw everything out because you know if you're playing big games against the team that you're fighting with for first place in the AL East in September, that will become the biggest midweek series of the season. And yes, you would rather this happen when school's out. Like That would be better for that to be the case. But I do still think that it's going to generate a real atmosphere this week. I mean, particularly tonight. Tonight I expect to be just electric at the ballpark on a Monday night, which we don't see a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, Matt Ryan is going to CBS, but tweeted about it and said, this is not a retirement post. (laughs) Well, Matt Ryan also went to William Penn Charter, which is the school that they feature in that show, The Goldbergs, that Mark Gubaza went to and that uh, Ruben Amaro went to. And that, like, that's, this is all based on a real story of a real kid named Adam Goldberg, who's the writer of The Goldbergs. And um, he went to this William Penn Charter school. And I have no idea what, the, like, it, it's, <laughs> I have no idea what to make of it. Like, no clue. It, I, I guess if Matt Ryan's just saying, hey, right now I'll just be doing some work. And even if I'm playing, I can do that. Like I can play and then also do TV because, as it says, um, Matt will be provide analysis for the NFL today, that other pregame show, NFL Monday quarterback and CB. So, like, it's worded in a way that he's not going, he's not signing up to be a color analyst for games. He's not saying, I'm going to work the Ravens-Bengals broadcast in week right. three. He's leaving it open for the USFL. Yeah, I don't think that's what he's looking XFL. for. I don't think that's the case whatsoever, but I don't know. Um, it's weird. It's very weird. Very weird bit. All right, today's show uh, also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Tonight, Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley, Luke Jackson will be previewing the big matchup between the Orioles and the Angels. Six o'clock, they'll be on Facebook Live Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports in order to check it out if you miss it. Because it's actually really just going to be talking about the Orioles in general. Find it tomorrow, PressBoxOnline.com slash video. When we come back in, our friend Rick Dempsey is back. We're going to chat with uh, Uncle Rick. Look forward to that. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? 
A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR, my Cedric uh, column, my Cedric Mullins column is up right now at PressBoxOnline.com. Encourage you to go check it out. And just sort of diving into why I feel like I have turned to the point where extension. It's time to talk. With Cedric Mullins, let's not continue to consider the possibility of trading. And it, he fits. I, I, I'm ready to declare that. So read about it at pressboxonline.com today. I saw that this man was back at the Camden Yards yesterday, and I know that he's been back in the area for a little bit, and that makes me very happy because, as you know, he's been a longtime friend of ours. And one of my favorites, and I know he's one of your favorites because the reason I knew he was at the ballpark yesterday is I saw everyone sharing the pictures they took with him. I feel like half of my friends list on Facebook got a picture with 1983 World Series MVP and our buddy, the great Rick Dempsey, who's back with us now here on GCR. Rick, it's Glenn. It's always good to catch up, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yes, it is, Glenn. Nice to talk to you. And what a special day it was at at Camden Yard yesterday. On Mother's Day, I realized, but seeing all those fans there, and they were pretty excited about the ball club and how they've been playing and everything. It wasn't a good game for them yesterday, but they had a pretty good game pitched against them. And you know, that just that kind of thing is going to happen. They got to bear down against this Oriole team now. 
because they're not so easy to beat anymore. They've got some great players out there. Um, but aside of the players, the, the fans yesterday were so fantastic. You know, um, I didn't expect, I just kind of snuck into the stadium with Steve Jeppy and I didn't expect to be on, you know, the scoreboard and everything, but, uh, the Orioles put my, uh, my picture up there and everybody started clapping and it was just, it was a great, great feeling to see, uh, that response, uh, from the fans. I've always loved them, always had a great time with them, love Baltimore and everything. And it, it, uh, it hurts to be back in California all the time and not be able to be around a ball club. But, you know, some, uh, I, I've loved the direction that they're going. I love Atlee Rushman and what he's, he's given to this ball club and what the future looks like. And I know Gunnar Henderson's got to come on strong. And a lot of players are playing well and doing some things that, that are making a difference in that's a good thing to see finally. Oh man. Uh, everything you just said there, we could just end right there, Rick. And I'd be good. Like that was beautiful, man. <laughs> and, um, let me, let me, let me start with you. And then we're going to work our way back to the Orioles. I know you've been spending more time. I know you connected with the baseball warehouse and of course our, our buddy is yep. Bordy. And of course, uh, Ryan Ripkin's part of that group. Now uh, tell me what that looks like for you. Cause I know you're, you know, Southern California is your home. But what is it going to look yeah. like for you being back? Are we going to be seeing more of you in the area now moving forward? What's yes. that partnership like? Well, it, it, it's a great partnership. Matt Morris has the baseball warehouse, and, and he's involved with Rick Oliver, my agent. And Rick wanted to put together um, a little business for us, too. Uh, so we're going to have the Rick, Rick Dempsey baseball warehouse now to kind of complement the Matt Morris uh, baseball warehouse. And you know, it's, it's moving in the right direction. There's so many people. I'm so surprised that the, a couple of the appearances I've made for Matt Morris, there's been tons of people there, you know, and even the little guys that don't and never saw me play still know what it was like when, when I was an Oriole and playing with Eddie Murray and, and Ken Singleton and all the great ones, Al Bumbry, you know, um, they love being around those guys. So, I've kind of employed them to come, you know, Al Bumbry will be running our hitting division, you know, and uh, he'll be somebody that anybody can get some advice from. And Mike Bordick, you know, who, who owns the record for the most airless games um, in a season. It, it's, uh, you know, a lot of really talented uh, ex players that, that know the game of baseball and can really get these kids off on the, in the right direction. So, I'm very excited to be back where we're going to open a facility out in Columbia here. We're, we're kind of targeting fall baseball uh, season and get things rocking and rolling and give me an opportunity to get back here and see all of my friends and connect again, because uh, it's, it's my baseball love that this area right here. Uh, I know I played for some great teams in the past, you know, the Minnesota twins, the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Dodgers, are incredible, but uh, to return to Baltimore is something that's really special for me, and I enjoy seeing everybody and com uh, connecting like I did yesterday. Well, I assure you it's special for us as well, Rick Dempsey, as I know you felt yesterday. Rick Dempsey is with us here on GCR. Um, Rick, when, you sh when you're there to, to feel the energy and the electricity, and of course we felt it, right, between in that stretch from, a, yeah. from 12 to, to 2016, right? Like we had those moments where it felt like, you know, the magic was back, obviously. 
how how much does that mean? Like to see where this organization has gotten to and to have an electric atmosphere and a massive crowd yeah. for a game at the ballpark and a real belief in this community and a relationship again between this community and this baseball team because you know you've experienced the height of what that relationship can be between this city and this baseball team. Well, most of these fans that were there yesterday uh, probably weren't really part of the era uh, when I became an Oriole. Not because of me, but when during that time when Eddie Murray came up and Cal Ripken came up and the things that those two guys did – Ken Singleton, who added so much to this ball club, um, you know, they were able to see what real baseball was like from that era and how good the Oriole organization really was. And now we're kind of, we're seeing the kind of players come here now that can be the reincarnation of our great organization. And so, you know, that's a fun thing to see because these young fans are going to grow with this ball club and, and saying they're going to see how good Adley Rushman can be and what he brings to the ball club and, and how he kind of gets, you know, that precision that you want out of a pitching staff and a catcher and an organization. And then, you know, all of the stuff that these young players learn by watching these players and how they play together is just going to get better and better as it goes along. Um, you, you mentioned Adley Rutschman, obviously, and I, it's really difficult for us to define Rick. Like the moment he showed up, winning came with him, right? Like it's unreal how much his presence has turned this entire team around. Can you define what it is that he brings, even if he you know doesn't have a game where he's hitting home runs like he did on Saturday night yeah. or whatever it is? Like what he brings that has so changed everything about this franchise? It's the precision, you know, um, the attitude, um, the attention to detail. You know, it, it, it even has to get a little better, but already you see how much it's brought to this organization. The fact that, you know, he will run out to the mound, uh, you know, and, and celebrate with the pitcher when you're coming off with a victory, you know. Um, the attitude of, of how you got to get better when you lose a ball game. And, you know, he just never gives up. And, and I think that's, that's what all the players have to rally behind him. Uh, I know other players like Rodriguez is pitching tonight. And, you know, even within the pitching staff, you're going to have some leaderships like we had with Jim Palmer and Mike Flanagan, Scott McGregor, those kind of guys, Storm Davis, uh, you know, the younger guys as they came in, uh, Dennis Martinez, they learned from those guys. And this is what they've got to do. They've, when, when good things start to happen, you don't just forget about them. Matt. When the game's over, you win a ball game. You know, you talk about it, uh, about what was the difference in the way we played. And outfielders got to go, what was the difference when we just hit the cutoff man? You know, uh, what was the difference of turning the double play? Look at this organization now. Double plays have been a thing of the past, and all of a sudden now, you know, they're starting to come back, and, and now we're one of the best teams in baseball uh, at turning double plays, and that's the pitcher's best friend. And little things like this start to compound, and then players start to say, you know, I've got to be a little more disciplined. I've got to think about not dropping a ball. You know, I've got to think about getting that one out when, when the ball club really needs it, you know. And it permeates through the organization. And then all of a sudden, 
uh, we're back to where we were in the days of Hank Peters, the, the great general manager that we had. So, um, you know, uh, we're looking at brighter days ahead, and that's a good thing, and we'll just rebuild the fan base and move on from there. I'm looking to win a championship even this year, oh, boy. you know, with this ball club. So, boy, that's bold. you know, it can get better and better and it's possible. Uh, I, as you've always said, you're a glass half full guy. And that is the thing that I appreciate the most about you, Rick Dempsey, <laughs> is that you are always thinking that way. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, it's the, the way it's been ever since my first day I, with the Minnesota twins, you know, uh, we won a couple championships there. They did, I should say. And then with the Yankees and then with the Orioles, you know, uh, I skipped over Cleveland because I was only there for one year. But then with the Dodgers, you know, give me a chance. We'll win a championship and I'll catch the last pitch and I'll give you the ball. And, <laughs> and, and it happened, you know, and that's just the way it goes. And call the yeah. president after that. That's that's the important part. Um, there you go, Rick. If I could, you mentioned Grayson tonight. The other tonight is such a fascinating yeah. night at the ballpark, right? Like this is one of those really special. Like if you're going to go to a game this season, you go tonight because Grayson's going up against Sho- Shohei Otani. You're out there in Southern California. Yeah. How do you define the just the absolute phenomenon? that is Shohei Otani and how he has taken this sport by storm over these last couple of years. And I know there are going to be thousands of folks that wouldn't be at the ballpark tonight anyway that just say, I got to I gotta go see it. I have to see this absolute phenomenon that this man is. <laughs> well, you know, you, we, you play against great players like that all the time, and you play against good teams like that all the time. And there's ways to beat them. Experience will tell you exactly how to approach a game like this. You know, don't put him up on a pedestal, you know, make him make good pitches. You know, don't just get crazy and go up there and decide you're going to swing and all things. Think the game of baseball. How are we going to be? If you can't beat Shoei Otani off the mound, then you wait until you wear him down and you when the bullpen comes in, you beat somebody out of their bullpen. It doesn't matter how you win the ball game, but you have to think your way through it. You know, okay, let's make him get the pitch down. Let's get, you know, do a lot of things like that. Make him turn the double play. Just be focused and don't make mistakes. Don't drop the ball. As Earl Weaver used to say, don't drop the ball, you know, turn your double plays. Don't try to be fancy. Just try to do what you're capable of doing. And, you know, it all works out when that team plays together. Uh, There's no doubt about that. There is no question whatsoever. Uh, All right, Rick Dempsey, Mm -hmm. I know people can find out more if they go to your Twitter account, at RickDempsey24, or if they go to the (laughs) BaseballWarehouse.com. Those are good ways to find out more about what it is that you're going to be doing. Um, Is there, like, are you headed right back out of town now at this point, or are you sticking around for a little bit? Well, no, I'm an empty nester now, and the wife is home by herself. I got to right. keep an eye on her. I get you that. Know? <laughs> I get that. So I can't leave it too long, you know, because you just never know. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, all is well. Can't can't complain a bit. Rick Dempsey, we love you. I know you feel that every time you're in town. Thanks. You are a beloved part of this community, and we're great whenever we get to have you back. And we look forward to seeing you back here again before too long. Thank you for hopping on with us, my Thank friend. You, Always Thank appreciate you very it. much for that. Okay, I will. See Rick, you down the road. Rick Dempsey, uh, the uh, the World Series MVP, and um, I've, I've joked about it over the years, even when you guys would say, Rick's an apologist. He's a homer. I would say, I don't care. I love Rick Dempsey, and I know that 
you all do too because, again, every time he shows up at a baseball game, every single one of you goes to try to track him down and take a picture with him because he's Rick Dempsey. And we love Rick Dempsey around these parts, and I appreciate him spending time with us this morning after he was back in town this weekend. Hour number one of today's show, just about in the books, was brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Boy, I don't know what just happened there. Uh, rough weekend for Maryland lacrosse. They were eliminated by Army on Saturday night. It was a thriller of a it game. Um, great game. But they come up well, short. And that's not that stunning. I mean, I think if you listen to Patrick Stevens last week, you knew like that was a possibility. And I kept trying to tell you guys how good Army is. Army's really, really good. It was actually a hell of a weekend of really close games. But like Duke was able to hold off Delaware by a goal. That was Delaware almost did it back to back years. They beat Georgetown last year. They very nearly beat Duke this year. Um, you know, Georgetown was in a tussle. The Cornell-Michigan game was quite close. The Penn State game. Like, there were a lot of really good games the first weekend of the tournament. Uh, I believe we might be getting a surprise visit from uh, Jen Adams from Loyola as the Loyola women are on to the quarterfinals. Maryland was knocked off by James Madison yesterday, but the Loyola women handled their business. It was a tough one. Stony Brook uh, battled them back, but they are on to the quarterfinals again this year. So I think Jen Adams from Loyola might be checking in with us this morning as well. And congratulations to our friends at Hartford Community College. They did indeed win the national championship, hosting for the first time and winning their first ever NJCAA national title yesterday. Uh, It was a special, special moment for them. Very happy for them. They defeated Nassau 13-9 in the national championship yesterday. So congratulations to Hartford Community College. When we come back in, we're going to switch gears, talk a little Ravens. Marty Morningweg is going to join us. Of course, former Ravens OC. Get some thoughts on the offense they've built here in Baltimore, but also he was part of it the last time they went to London, and I'm trying to get to the bottom of what the hell happened. We'll ask him about that. That's on the way. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Pressboxonline.com slash contests is the website. Go there right now, and you can sign up to win just this awesome prize that we are giving away right now. It's four tickets to all of the area's minor league baseball teams. Four tickets to each of them. Plus... An easy pass Maryland on the go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. All of that, one prize. You must be 18 or older in order to sign up. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get over to pressboxonline.com slash contests right now in order to get signed up. Your chance to win really an awesome prize and you still have about a month almost exactly one month in order to get signed up but don't waste time don't forget about it get signed up today there's this weird controversy last night um the there was the hockey game it was game six between the oilers and the knights at the exact same time the exact same time that that was going on or that we thought that was going to be going on, ESPN had their Sunday night baseball game scheduled. So they decided to play the hockey game at 10 o'clock after the baseball game, which was disappointing to hockey fans because it's a work night, and despite the fact the game was in Edmonton and it was an 8 o'clock start there, which is reasonable, the hockey fans on the East Coast wanted to watch that great game with one of the biggest stars in all of hockey and Connor McDavid. So it's disappointing, the game's starting at 10. And then weirdly, ESPN, the baseball game runs long, and ESPN says, hey, the hockey game is going to start on ESPN, too, and then it'll be back over here. And for some reason, everybody lost their minds about that, which is very odd, very odd to me. If you've got ESPN, you probably have ESPN, too. It shouldn't be hard to just click a button and say, I'll go watch the hockey game on ESPN, too. It was a very weird controversy that unfolded about this. I, I would argue that if there was anything that was controversial, it would be, why didn't you just play the game at 8 o'clock on ESPN2? Like, I, I do understand the argument, hey, you'd like most more of the country to see Connor McDavid ended up being his final game of the season as the Oilers were eliminated. Golden Knights on for the Western Conference Finals where they await the winner of tonight's Game 7 between Dallas and Seattle. It's weird that you wouldn't try to put that game at a better time. I don't know why everybody's all worked up. It sounded very pick-me. It was like, love my sport, love us more, pick us over that. There's a bunch of different sports going on right now. Not everybody can be on the same channel at once. So just put it on a different channel. As a sports fan, maybe you're into both baseball and hockey and you appreciated the chance to watch both. 
I wanted to watch hockey last night. It's one of the very few times that I was interested in watching like a game, a playoff game. I was like, ah, I want to take a look at this. Elimination game. Connor McDavid. Golden Knights scored three goals in the second period. They move on. Let's talk a little more football this morning here on GCR. Of course, our next guest, former NFL head coach, former Ravens offensive coordinator. He's been doing some stuff with the 33rd team. It's a pleasure for us to welcome back to the program Coach Marty Morningweg, who is with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you as always. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Glenn, let's juice it up. My God. We've got a lot of excitement around Baltimore. Yes, we do. It is a very exciting time around Baltimore right now, Coach. It's great to hear your voice, man. I Can I start with something? Because I've been trying to get to the bottom of it, and I've asked a lot of people different opinions, and nobody's given me a straight answer. The Ravens are going back to London this season. We found that out last week. They're going to go play the Titans in London. And the moment that was announced, all of Baltimore said, Oh, because as you know, <laughs> it did not go well the first time the Ravens went to London. So I ask, I know, I know, I, I ask, was there. Yeah, I know. I ask you this question, Coach. What happened? Why? It's not just that it was a loss. It was you know one of the worst performances in Ravens history. What happened, and why did it go so wrong? Because not every team looks like that when they go to London and play a football game. <laughs> I will tell you, there, there are no excuses. There are no excuses. It was one of those weeks where, where there's a lot of travel. We got off the plane, got on the bus, checked into the hotel, and went right to practice, basically with little to no sleep. You know, you tried to sleep on the airplane. I would say don't do it that way. Now, we, we had done all of our studies, and, and so that's what we came up with. We thought that was the best way. It's not. Get there early. Give the fellas 24 hours, let's say, to sort of recoup their senses, right? All right, that was the first thing. The second thing was that, unbeknownst to me, I was buried trying to score some points, right? Which we didn't. Right. We had trouble. Uh, but, you know, uh, <clears throat> the fellows were getting pulled. And I didn't even realize it. Uh, uh, I, I'm not sure many people did because if you remember, yeah. that was the first week yeah, the, of the kneeling right, thing. Right after the president. I didn't even know yeah. that some of our fellows did it until the plane ride back. And so... Uh, and, 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 and so I think our focus and concentration may have been just a little bit elsewhere. Okay. All right. Uh, so what you're saying is hopefully these things won't be a problem as the Ravens go back to London. Like that they'll be a little bit more prepared and a little bit more focused this time as they head back to London this season. Well, the fellows that are making the decisions, right, John Harbaugh. So he's got experience doing yeah. this. He tried it one way, but apparently – uh, worked. It didn't for us. So I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to do it differently with scheduling and, and, and reiterating the focus that is needed to win any NFL game, let alone traveling uh, halfway across the world uh, in an unfamiliar place, unfamiliar field, all of those things, everything matters. So I'm sure there'll be there'll be a little bit different focus, Glenn. All right, and I know that sometimes that even happens when you don't go to London. I know there are sometimes just games where, for whatever reason, it was not your week. Those things happen in football. That is a part of the game. 
Marty Morningweg is with us here on GCR. Coach, I wonder, you know, it's it's been since the last time you and I talked, uh, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson back. Now they've added in Odell Beckham to the fold, and Todd Munkin's got all these toys to play with because they draft another receiver for him in the first round and Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Um, how excited are you about what it is that the Ravens could present offensively? As you know, wide receiver has not always been a priority for the Baltimore Ravens over the years. This is shaping up to be, you know, if if Rashad Bateman comes back healthy and Zay Flowers is the guy that a lot of people think he is, this is about as strong of an investment as the Ravens have made at the position almost in their history as a franchise. That's right. That's right. I, I, I will say that in the past, they have tried. They've tried hard. Right. They hit on Steve Smith, yep. the great Steve Smith, you know, with, with three. But, but then everything that they've done up to now uh, sort of hasn't worked quite as well, right, as other teams. Uh, so they just elevated themselves. I mean, they elevated themselves from a really good football team to a possibility of, of, of making a deep, deep run, and I'm talking Super Bowl type of run. Now, that's, that, I'm saying that without uh, the thought of some sort of uh, catastrophe, massive injury type of year, right? They are built to go all the way. They've got a fine defense. They've got excellent special teams. And now they just gave Lamar Jackson some weapons. And now, now I will say, Glenn, they need to turn Lamar loose uh, in the passing game, just a little bit more, just a little bit of adjustment. And it looks like that they've done that with the hiring of Monken. Tell me about what you expect from him, Coach. What What is it that you, you know, obviously being around this game as long as you have, I, the sense that I've gotten is that, you know, I, I think we always thought of you in the West Coast offense, right? Like we always thought, I have not been able to get anyone who said, hey, this is exactly what he's going to do. He typically tends to bend his offense towards the talent that he has on the field. So what would your expectations be for a Todd Munkin, given what it is the Ravens are presenting now talent-wise? Well, you said it exactly right. Uh, Your system has to be big enough, wide enough, tall enough to to attack your opponent with your personnel because your personnel changes from year to year. So you, you do, you play to your players' strengths, and that's what Todd is going to try to do with Lamar Jackson. And, and look, you know me, I've said this a couple of times, right, is that going all the way back, Lamar needed to be trained in the pocket because at year three, four, five, right, uh, you, 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 everything's going to pull at him. He's going to get a nick here. He's going to get a nick there. And, and you want to run him. Utilize Lamar Jackson in the run game just enough, just enough to where it's always a threat every play because that pulls the defense apart. So I suspect that instead of running Lamar, they're going to do a a few more quick screens. They're going to do some uh, quick game, three-step game. They're, they're, They're going to do more RPOs, whether he gives it or passes the football rather than the triple option type of situation where Lamar could give it, he could run it, or he could throw it. There will still be a little bit of that. I suspect that there will be parts, parts of the running game uh, in the past that Munkin uh, keeps and, 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 and filters into his offense. 
I, I wonder, you brought up Steve Smith Sr. A, a minute ago. Of course, you, we remember the impact he had when he arrived in 2016. It was unbelievable. Odell Beckham's been through a lot in you know the recent years. He's been through injuries. He had a little bit of a downturn in Cleveland. But the last time we saw him on the field with the Rams a couple seasons ago, he was a massive difference maker in that postseason and a huge part of the reason why they made a run to winning a Super Bowl. maybe not statistically, right, because I don't know that you're going to expect as many balls thrown that way, but do you believe there's a chance that Odell Beckham could have that same type of impact on a team the way that Steve Smith Sr. had that impact on the 2016 Ravens? Yes, I do, as long as Odell Beckham uh, comes in healthy and stays healthy. Now, those are two different types of players. Sure. Steve Smith, great leader, tough physical, consistent. I mean, this guy, I loved being able to coach Steve Smith, and I've coached some of the greatest ever to play. Sure. You know, with T.O. and Jerry Wright. Steve Smith is right up there with him. Uh, Odell Beckham, I remember him coming out. I gave him a really, really high grade. This man is ultra-talented. But my question with him was, is this man a track guy playing football, or is this guy a football player? So two different types of of guys, ultra-talented. There's no question that he will make a really positive impact as long as Odell Beckham stays healthy. I am um, really excited about it, Coach. Like I I keep coming away. It's crazy because just a couple months ago, everybody in Baltimore was nervous and apprehensive about the future of this team, and all of a sudden – Within the span of weeks, and I know you did your video talking about Lamar going to win a Super Bowl. Like th- this is sort of the way it, it it feels like. It's crazy how we've gone from panic to no. Legitimately, it's not going to be easy. The AFC is nuts. I mean, like it's insane what you got to go up against in the AFC right now. But I think there's every reason for folks in Baltimore to believe that this group is capable of competing with those top teams in the AFC to go to try win a Super Bowl this season. Well, there's no question that they're capable. Now, Lamar uh, needs to get in and start learning. And in a normal year, no problem. But Lamar needs to, because there's going to be different terminology. Uh, the new coordinator will look at a, a specific play a little bit differently than Lamar's used to. He's got to spend some time, uh, quality time, uh, with that coordinator. So that's, that's the one big aspect. Uh, that, that, that has bothered me up until now. So, uh, and then the second one is that is Lamar's challenge right now. Go win a Super Bowl. I believe Lamar's got one win, one win mm-hmm. in the playoffs. This man is one of the dynamic, electrifying, exciting players uh, that plays quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, and they have one playoff win. We have to get over the hump there. And then, and then we've got experience, right? And Lamar Jackson's got experience. Other players on the team have playoff experience. Now we need to get over the hump and start stacking wins, playoff wins I'm talking about, and go win a Super Bowl. That is Lamar Jackson's challenge right now. Uh, there's no doubt, Coach, and I, I think it's something that he's got to uh, he's got to raise his level when he gets to the postseason. Got to get there first, obviously, but then even raise his level when he gets to that point. I think that is very fair. Coach Marty Morningweg, always great to catch up with you, my friend. Would love to do this again as we get a little bit closer to the start of the season. Have yourself a great summer, sir. Hit me anytime. Always appreciate you. Marty Morningweg with us here on GCR. It's interesting he points out, you know, everybody brings up the kneeling thing. And I, I get it. I understand. And then 
it, the Ravens were an, an impossible situation, right? As they were the first team to play after the comments that um, then President Trump had made. But I don't think that's it. Uh, there are other teams that that had players that kneeled that day and they won their football games. They, you know, that wasn't the case. It's interesting that he brings up the travel aspect of it because it has kind of been accepted. Like the thing that you're supposed to do is not try to get adjusted. Like you're just supposed to show up and get right to it and almost like stay on your own body clock until you leave. And it's interesting that Marty Morning brings up that that might have been an issue for the Ravens as uh, they made that first trip to London a couple years ago. All right, Jen Adams from Loyola is going to join us here in just one second as uh, they got a big win yesterday over Stony Brook to get back to the NCAA quarterfinals. Jeremy Kahn will return to the program in a little bit, so still a lot to do on a Monday edition of GCR. I want to talk to Jeremy about the uh, conference finals now being set in the NBA as uh, Mark Gubiza brought up, the Sixers lose to the Celtics, get shellacked by the Celtics in uh, Game 7 yesterday. And so we now know it'll be Miami and Boston in the East and, of course, L.A. and Denver in the West in the NBA's Conference Finals. We will get to that with Jeremy here in a bit. But as I mentioned, a really great day at Ridley Athletic Complex yesterday. It got uh, got a little hairy at the end, but Loyola able to hang on for a big 9-8 victory over Stony Brook, and the Greyhounds are back in the NCAA Women's Quarterfinals. Joining us now, she is their head coach. She's Coach Jen Adams, and she's with us on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn. It's always great to catch up. Congratulations on being back in the NCAA Quarterfinals. Thanks so much, Glenn. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, Excited to be back there. I imagine those were nervous moments there at the end of the game yesterday. Uh, what was the difference for your team and able, being able to hold on and grind that thing out against a really good Stony Brook team? Yeah, absolutely. A very, very tough Stony Brook team, a very high-powered um, set of players. So I'm really proud of our girls um, for, for playing out the full 60 minutes, and it really did come down to the wire, I think. The last draw was absolutely pivotal, and Gillian Wilson came out big with a possession. But, um, you know, it was just staying in the moment. We had a, a really big third quarter, which propelled us, you know, forward four goals, and, and that ended up being just the difference maker in the game. You know, Coach, I feel like a couple years ago, this group of talented players that you had put together, like even back to the pandemic year that unfortunately had to be canceled, um, it was like there was an opportunity for you guys to catch teams by storm a little bit. And I don't know that everybody realized how good you were just yet. By this point, what you have built and the consistency of it, how has things changed? And have you felt more and more like, hey, we don't get to be the hunters anymore. We, we've kind of had to be the hunted the last couple of years because everybody knows what a program has been built here at Loyola. Yeah, you know, I think the, the really neat part is as a coach, you know, we, we came in here um, and I was fortunate enough to inherit a program that just has such a rich tradition and sure. legacy, um, incredible players. And we're, we've been able to build on that culture. Um, it's a really family set atmosphere and um, players that come and choose to come to Loyola want to be competitive and, and they put in the work and they've just got incredible work ethic. So for us, um, you know, to be able to continue to build on that, and, and I think that has been the true secret to the success over the last couple of years, has been just the willingness of these players 
Um, they love being together. They love playing together. They love playing the game of lacrosse and they love having a stick in their hands and um, they put in a lot of work into that. So, so for us as coaches, it makes our job very, very easy. Coach, uh, a couple of you mentioned Jillian Wilson, of course, and Katie Detweiler jumps out to me as well. Players that we know are coming up at the end, and this is maybe the next thing, the the, the one thing that, that still can be accomplished is a trip to championship weekend, right, and making it to the Final Four. How much would it mean to you for those players to get the taste of that and to have that experience of playing. I know you want to win a national championship. Like I understand that the the big goal is even bigger than that. But just as being that sort of next step for this program to take, what would that mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for players like like Jillian and and Jet, but but really for everyone and for this program in general, that's the the thing that's eluded us since I've been a coach here is is making that jump over the hurdle and getting us to a final four and. Um, I would love nothing more than for to be able to take our nation to, to the Final Four down in North Carolina this year. Uh, obviously, it's not easy, right? <laughs> what stands in front is a really, <laughs> really good Northwestern team. Um, I, I know you're going to go play a game. and You know, it's funny because in the last couple of years, you've been playing these types of teams so regularly. Can you take me through how important it's been for you to schedule non-conference some of the best teams in the country in order to make sure your team is prepared for these moments and playing teams like Northwestern with so much at stake? Yeah, I think that's what a, an out-of-conference schedule is designed for, is to allow you the freedom a little bit to, to put your team in situations where you're playing teams out of your typical conference. Um, you're getting a lot of different scout looks, um, chances for us to play teams in the ACC and the Big Ten, and um, lots of different programs and, and different styles of lacrosse. So we certainly try to set our players and our program up for seeing a lot of those different styles and being uh, being as prepared as possible so that come postseason, you know, we've, we've been in those shoes and, and it's nothing new. Um, and again, I think the the bigger thing is, is, is really creating that sense of consistency throughout the season that you show up and every game has that kind of weight and importance on it. So that has been a heavy focus for us this season. Um, I mentioned Northwestern, right? Like it, it, they, they were in a battle. They were in a tussle yesterday, right? They were right on the ropes. Right. Is there a way? I don't. I know you don't want to give any way like a bullet bulletin board material <laughs> or something like that, Coach. But is there a way that you see that even a team that's riding an 18 game win streak could be vulnerable? And and you guys feel like you genuinely have a shot as you make that trip out there this week. Yeah, Glenn, look, I, I think, obviously, I have so much respect for Northwestern and Kelly Amonte and what she's done with that program out there. Um, but at the same token, sports are a 60-minute game. A, a whistle's going to blow, and we're going to have an opportunity to compete. And I certainly know we'll be ready. Um, our players, you know, they step up foot onto the field, and their whole intention is to just give it their all, and that's what we plan to do on Thursday night. What what is it that you you know what what impresses you most about them this season, and what will it take for you guys to be able to go on the road and pull off this win? Most impressive to me is you know we we lost we were laden with talent last year, and a lot of people were talking about what we lost. And what's impressed me is is how they have focused on what we have and what we brought back, okay. and building the ident- identity for themselves as a team and a unit this year, not trying to rest on the laurels of last year. So that's been the most impressive thing. What is it going to take 
to beat Northwestern, um, you know, pretty simply is to be one goal up on the scoreboard <laughs> at the end of that yeah. game. And yeah. I think that's going to take tough defense, keeping their, their powerful offensive unit to, to limited goals. And it's going to put us putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, you know, they're both things we've done all season. So we're confident in going in, playing Loyola lacrosse and, and throwing it up in the air and hoping it sticks. I have had the fortune of doing a few of your guys' games these last couple of seasons, and and these players that were like watching Sydney Black is such a joy. I, I just wonder, as a coach, how much fun has this been for you to be around these group of young women that are so talented, that are so competitive? I, I know you want to win championships, and I know that like a national championship is a huge goal, but can you describe because it's it's so much fun to watch your team play. How much fun it is to coach this group that you've had over these last few years? Yeah, you, you really nailed it. They are just so much fun. They're so much fun to be around as people, um, which obviously makes you know coaching a, an exciting thing. You go out every day and they put a smile on our face out there as coaches. Um, but to be pushed as a coach in the way that they're so competitive and they're so skilled and talented and um, for us to continue to make practices fun for them and competitive for them. So in that way, I love that they challenge us as coaches every day and, and again, just make, make coaching um, it has the ability to be very stressful, but they, they keep it fun. They keep it light. Um, they love what they do, and they make us love what we do. And I think that's a pretty powerful combination. There's a lot of trust and respect amongst our coaching staff and players and and, you know, we want to take this thing all the way, but that's a, a very small, you know, sports are about winning and losing yeah. on the field. But in the grand scheme, it's a very, very small piece of the pie, Glenn, in, in terms of what we are doing here at Loyola with these players. I understand. It's such a it's a fine line, right? It's it's funny. I, I know Giannis said it a couple of weeks ago, right? Like it, it, only one team gets to win a championship and not everybody else was a failure, right? In the process. Right. Like there's a lot of 100%. other things that you can do in there. And it. It's funny because like I, it would be so cool, and as someone who's so involved with Loyola, it would just be unbelievable to see you guys make that run. But I do think it's important to recognize that like what you've been doing is amazing, and I know it's a fine line, and I don't know how you walk it as a coach because you want to celebrate those things and do all those things, and yet you don't, you don't want to rest on it and don't want to say it's just enough because you want to keep that drive up. I, 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 I know it's it, politically, it almost feels like it's a difficult way to go about having conversations, Coach. Right. Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. I think, I think that's it. It is a fine line to walk as a coach. And I think the more balance you can find in that, and we constantly are stepping back and saying, you know, we're, we're not just going to define ourselves by our winning and losing. And I'm, I'm proud of this team. They have done so much community service work and so many awareness games and they're involved so much in the community. They're crushing it in the classroom academically. They're just good people, and they're incredible role models for the next generation of lacrosse players. And if nothing else, I, I am very proud of that, and they're 100% winners and champions in my book, regardless of what we do. Now, that being said, right. we're very competitive, and, and we want to go all the way and win it. Um, that's just that, that kind of cherry on the top. and. Um, that's what we're shooting for, obviously. Boy, I, I understand everything you're saying. All that is true, and yet, boy, it would be a lot of fun to be in North Carolina for Memorial Day weekend. That would that's be an awful lot of fun. Uh, Thursday night, 7.30, and the game is on ESPNU, so a great opportunity for uh, for you guys to represent on a national stage on Thursday night as uh, you guys take on Northwestern. 
Coach, it's it's honestly, it's awesome watching your team play. It's incredible what it is that you all have built at Loyola. Uh, looking forward to seeing Thursday night. Rooting like hell for you. Whatever happens, we're very proud of this program, but boy, am I hoping that it is the, the way that we want it to go. Thank you for taking the time for us. Congratulations on everything, Coach. Thanks so much, Glenn. I appreciate it. I appreciate your kind words. Thank you. It's Coach Jen Adams from Loyola with us here this morning on GCR as they get ready again for what will be, you know, a very difficult test. Um, no way around it. That is not going to be easy for them to go up and take down a Northwestern team that has not lost since the first game of the season. Number one team in the country on the road on Thursday night. But, you know, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have occurred and uh, a great chance for them to go try to pull that off on Thursday night and advance to the Final Four. We're going to advance to talking to Jeremy Kahn. We're going to do that when we come right back in. Does that sound all right? Good, good transition. I feel yeah. like a, a broadcast professional over here. Broadcast professional. Don't forget this print issue of Press Box is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hen- hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. That image of Jackson Holiday on the cover as we take a look at the pipeline that is still in place for the Baltimore Orioles, despite the fact that Gunner and Adley and Grayson all got here, there's still a lot more to come. Read about it right now in this new print issue of Press Box. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Should have mentioned as we were talking about uh, this print issue of Press Box, I did see that MLB Pipeline put out a new top 100 prospects list, and Jackson Holiday is number three on that list. So that's a pretty quick rise, number three prospect in all of baseball, Jackson Holiday. Um, in the new MLB Pipeline list. Also, some Orioles news this morning. They have made a roster move. Kyle Stowers, who has just been, obviously, it's been a miserable stretch for him of late. There's no way around it. Just brutal. Um, had the golden sombrero yesterday. Just not been a not been enjoyable for Kyle Stowers. He was 2 for 30 this season with 12 strikeouts. He has been optioned, and um, they're going back to 13 pitchers. Logan Gillespie was called back up. So nothing exciting. If you're thinking maybe this might be the moment for a Colton Kowser or Jordan Westberg, that's not the case. Nothing sexy there. Logan Gillespie comes back up to take Kyle Stowers' spot on the roster. But if that disappoints you because it's not sexy enough, I've got good news for you. It's about to get really sexy as joining us uh, fresh off his trip to Jamaica that we legitimately forgot about last week and thought we were calling him to be on the show. He is our friend Jeremy Kahn, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan, ConcreteLocks.com. He's back with us on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? I think I'm good. I think I still would have joined you guys had we not been in the water, I think, when you were calling, and then I saw Griffin's text. Um, I swear I swear to God. We're coming back from break, and Griffin's like, Jeremy's not answering. And I was like, yeah, that's weird. And then all of a sudden, it, like, I, I mean, like, like you know, those scenes from a movie where a light bulb goes off, right? Or, like, you realize what's <laughs> happening in that. In, in Home Alone, where it strikes them that Kevin really is at the house by himself, and all of a sudden you see Marv's golden tooth shining with that big old smile. <laughs> that was the moment for me where I was like, Oh my God, he's in Jamaica. What are we doing? Yeah, man. So I was I was on island time, I guess. Yeah, uh, how as, was as it? They say anytime they're how, late. How uh, it was it? amazing. Uh, it's one of the, you know, like my favorite vacation I went on was still Oktoberfest, just because of, uh, and I was just right up my alley. But like this, I, the resort we went to, couple swept away, was phenomenal. The food was great. The people were great. Um, I loved everything about it. And I'm not a beach guy per se. My wife is, so I'm more of the pool guy. I got in the pool our last day there, and other than that, outside of maybe going to get a drink to walk to a pool bar, um, I, I, I was in the water. I was in the ocean most, so it was uh, it was beautiful. Would you uh, would you give me something you ate? Give me the one thing that you would say you, like that's that's the best thing that you had the entire time you were in Jamaica. The best thing I had. Yeah. I mean, they had so many different desserts that were just incredible. But like, you can't go wrong with the jerk chicken there. Um, but every meal we went to, like we were trying all different types of stuff. I'll say this. I'm not a fish person and I tried snapper for the first time and I thought okay. it was pretty good. All so, right. I've had yeah, some there's, I mean, just okay. trying some new things. Look at you. The, Look the at worst you. thing I got is when someone forgot to put pineapple juice in my pina colada and it ended up just being oh. like oh. milk and ice and vodka oh. or whatever the hell it was. Oh, that, sounds, yeah. that sounds really bad. Was this a, was this an all inclusive joint that you were at or yeah. was this, Okay. All right. That's the, that's yeah, the, it was, it's some of the best food I've had at an all inclusive. Okay. So I thought it was really well. Done. But how do you, then we got to talk about that because it's actually going to com- combine with the conversation I feel about mother's day brunch. When you do mm-hmm. something like that, do you find yourself like doing the math in your head? 
of whether or not it's worth it. Like, have you? Are you the type of person? I I I can't help myself. Like, I took the family out the Mother's Day brunch yesterday, and I'm thinking about how much money I spent on the brunch and what we've actually consumed. And I'm like, I don't want more food, but I feel like I have to go get more food. Because I am that type of person. When you're at the all-inclusive, are you thinking along those lines at all? I'm the exact opposite, ironically. Like I, so um, the reason why my wife takes care of all of our money and everything adult is because I'm a child. Ah. But there's another part of it where I just, like, I know this sounds stupid and it's something I shouldn't say. I don't care about money. Like, I know that doesn't make sense to people. If I see something and I want it and I have money, I'm going to get it. I get if it. If I don't, then I won't get it. So I, I like, get it. I'm just living in the moment. I, I mean, I'm really here until someone tells me it's time to go. I, I'm weird. I'm not obsessed it. with it. It's more like a value thing for me. Like, I, I, I know that's dumb, but, like, I can't justify I could really want to go to a concert, and I can look up. I'll tell you what. When, when Blink-182 announced this tour, I was like, man, I love Blink-182. I've always loved Blink-182. They've been a big part of my life. It's great that they're back together. They're playing in Baltimore, and, like, it used to be that nobody ever played in Baltimore, right? Like, this is... I, I got to go. And then I saw that they were charging like, you know, 150 bucks just to get in. An absurd amount of money for real tickets. And I said, I love Blink-182, but I just can't justify. I'm a value person. I hate that I'm like that. But it's a value thing for me. Like, I can't justify this. I don't care how much I like it. I'm out. I'm not going to do it. And I don't know if that's a sickness. I don't know if I should just be able to say, like, no. You're going to have fun. You're going to have a wonderful night. Who gives a rat's ass that it costs you a bunch of money? Go do something you're going to enjoy, but I can't help myself in that in that situation. Yeah, and it's funny. Like, if people looked at my relationship with my wife, who is very type A, like, I'm the type of person that, let's say there's a movie out, and I want to watch it tonight, right? and then it's going to be free tomorrow, but it costs, you know, whatever, six bucks, five bucks to rent it tonight. I will still rent it tonight instead of waiting really? tomorrow if I want to see it today. Yeah, really? I don't. I'm, yeah, I'm that guy. And my wife is the type of person that'll go, I'll say, hey, you want to rent a movie? She's like, why? There's a ton of free movies. <laughs> yeah, but I want to watch this one. Right. And it's going to cost $5. Well, we don't have 5 bucks. Yeah. Of course we have 5 bucks. Yeah, so, yeah. Know. This is tough. You and my wife would get along. I, I can't do this. Like, I am literally doing the math on all of this stuff, and it makes it impossible for me to enjoy anything anymore. I. I don't know if it's an old guy thing. I don't I don't feel like my father was this way. I don't know where this came from, but I am constantly thinking I, the value of the event is it worth it? The value of this meal, the value of like I there are places where I'm willing to pay good money for a meal. Like I talk about the Indian place up by me Pierce's. They don't pay us any pay, pay a penny to advertise. I don't care. They're that good and it's an extraordinary amount of money I'm going to pay every time I have a meal there. But I'm getting that good of a meal, so I don't care. I'll I'll pay that because I know it's worth it to me. But well, it's, it's got to be. That's how I thought about Ravage Deli in Perry Hall, which oh, is one yeah. of the best places. Yeah, that place, that oh. place was really good, man. That place. Oh, God, you're not wrong about that. Every time they would post something on Facebook, I would be like, I need to go try that immediately. <laughs> like, God, that is amazing. <sighs> yeah, they had some sort of banh mi I think it was a pork banh mi dish there that I still can't get out of my mind, oh, and I asked them to rename it after me. I said, if you put that thing on pork, the menu, I'll pork, order it every a time pork I con, You wanted it to be a pork con mi. And yeah, and did they did they go for it? No, oh. <laughs> I mean they may have a had I pushed, but they're they're really good I'm, people. I'm man. very sad. Um, but, and the food there, like everything on the menu, is just amazing. A friend, uh, Simon Habdemarium, has a little pizza pop up, and he named a pizza after me once. And I swear to God, it was like the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. 
I've never needed anything else. Isn't that the pinnacle to have like just something important, something that you enjoy named after you? Like some people talk about parks, like a sandwich, a drink or Dude, something. Like I, I don't remember I what it was. When the, when the radio station used to be in Towson, before it moved to where it is now, um, there was a deli in Towson that would name all of their sandwiches after hosts on one of the, it was CBS then, now Odyssey stations. So there was a Maria Dennis. There was a JoJo Gerard. I remember this place. Do you there remember? was an Anita Marks one at the very 100%. end. A hundred percent. So they pitched that when I was on with Ed, they had an Ed sandwich, they had a Maynard, and they were about to make it. And because when it was my stupid radio name was Coach G, Ugh, I still get the douche chills when I hear that. Um, <laughs> they were ready to put a sandwich on there, and I was 23, and I was losing it. I mean, Jeremy losing it. Like this was all I ever needed in life. And like the week before they were gonna put, I don't even remember what was gonna be on the sandwich. The week before they were gonna put it on is when I got the boot. <laughs> and I was like, did you? Did, I, oh, really? That, you, see, that dude, sucks. I was so beside myself. Like, I, I didn't really, the job, whatever. Than buying a player's jersey that gets traded. Oh, it's so <laughs> you know, much it's worse. Like, dude, it's so much worse. I was legitimately, the, the girl that I was dating at the time was like, and by the way, they didn't even fire me. They just took me off of Ed's show and cast me uh, to the AM station, which as you know at the time, like, it, it just wasn't, like, it wasn't the same. Yeah. And that the, the me having the sandwich was me part of being Edge on Edge show, and so it just wasn't going to work anymore. And like I remember my my girlfriend at the time being like, "Well, you didn't get fired. You just got moved to a different radio station." And I just remember like almost blubbering, "Put the sandwich." <laughs> <laughs> well, at that place, did you ever try the Barry Wood sandwich? There's so much meat on it, you can't fit it in your mouth. I don't think I ever tried that. No. Okay. Yeah. I I could. Yeah, you guys feel I, free to look that one. I up. thought I was trying to figure out if that was shtick or not. I couldn't actually. That was shtick. I thought that Barry was Woods the case. Barry Woods, the naked dude that sits on the end of his bed that thank everyone you. now knows. Thank you. Of. That's the yeah. guy. I couldn't thank you. I, I my fault. My fault. Well done. <laughs> well done. Well done, pal. Um. Hey, I wanted to talk NBA playoffs with you because we're down to sure. the the conference finals, and I'm in a really strange place where like I don't have a feel. Like I think. Denver is the team to beat, but I don't know that, and part of it is conflicted by the fact that Denver always ends up disappointing and letting you down. But I, as as open as it was to start the playoffs, I don't feel like – here's what I feel like we've learned. All of these teams can be really good in certain situations. The Lakers can be really good as long as Anthony Davis is playing really well. If he's not, it's much – they can't almost. The, the Nuggets could win the NBA title if they just get enough from Jamal Murray. And sometimes they do. And if they don't, then I think they're in trouble. Like, I, it's all qualified. The Celtics, I think, are the deepest team and the best overall team. But Jesus Christ, they just tried to lose to the hapless 76ers, and they were a couple of minutes away from being eliminated two games ago. I, I don't – then the Heat are one guy, but that one guy has been the best guy in the entirety of the playoffs. I don't know what to make of this. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think the Lakers win in six, and I think we get a gentleman sweep with Miami and Boston. I just think Boston is a terrible matchup for Miami, and they handle them. And I was saying this to someone else. Nobody ever wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to listen to this. But Anthony Davis is the best player in the league when he's healthy. Right. And things that, like He's an impossible matchup. He always grades out in the top five in defensive efficiency, and he's always up there in offensive efficiency as well. And you're talking about a guy that could easily win – MVP after MVP, if he could just stay out of the locker room during the game, you know? Um, 
And, and I think, he, for whatever reason, I think he's just going to cause so many problems for Jokic. We'll just have to see how much they put on. Like, the others really have to step up for Denver in this series. And I think the Lakers are a lot better than, than we gave them credit for. The moves they made, um, you know, look, beat them up for the past couple of years, but the moves they made in the front office have really bettered this team. Um, the, I, I think that they move on. I think they knock off the Nuggets personally, and I, the, the NBA gets exactly what they want, Lakers Celtics. Because yeah. they do not want Denver or Miami in the finals. I understand. I just it does nothing for me, man. I am. I am. Yeah. It's it's the it's the eye roll NBA finals where I'm just like, hey, cool. God God bless you. One of you is gonna win, but none of it interests me in any way. I I get it. Um, and I and you're certainly right. Like I the guy that like I just watched Jokic for six games. The Suns are an embarrassment though. So like I there's no comparison to Jokic going up against DeAndre Ayton and Jock Lansdale to what he'd be going up against Anthony Davis, particularly Jokic the defender against Anthony Davis the offensive force. But dude, I, there's something about watching so much of Nikola Jokic over the course of the last couple of weeks that like I. I've kind of been the guy that I rolled at the fact that he was a two-time MVP and could have been a three-time MVP this season. But Jesus, when you watch him, it's I don't even know how to describe what it is that I'm watching. It makes yeah. no it, sense. Well, he and Luke are the perfect examples of when you watch somebody and you're like, it doesn't, they're not fast. They're not, like their movements can be awkward. They're so good at finishing around the hoop with either hand. Uh, both of them can shoot from the outside, albeit one's a guard, one's a center. They both pass extremely well. Like, I love it. Every time somebody's playing uh, playing against Jokic, they're always like, yeah, I don't get it either, man, but he's unbelievably good. It's almost like they're trying to make an excuse for him. Like, we didn't see it either. Okay, he was a chubby kid. His movements aren't like everybody else's movements, but he still gets it done. Um, and that's one of the reasons why he said he doesn't like the All-Star game because, goof, like, Jimmy Butler doesn't like the All-Star game. That's not my type of game. Like, I don't want to play in a running up and down and nobody do anything and right. just dunk, dunk, dunk. You know, they're more finesse. I don't know, man. It's been fun watching Jimmy Butler play. Like, it's been a lot of fun, man. I, there's some part of me. I love it. There's some part of me that wants to see him do this. Like, wants to see him single-handedly carry a team to a title. Because I've just been so wildly entertained by the guy that I don't, I don't want less Jimmy Butler in my life at this point. And a part of it is I, you know. Well, I hate Boston too. Isn't so. he everything you would like to be as an athlete? Right. Nobody, nobody expected it. If you look at, he was not a top recruit coming out of high school. He was homeless for a while, uh, basically adopted by another family. Was an afterthought at Marquette. Was an afterthought in the NBA draft. It, you know, like had bounced around a little bit. Um, when you think about who was it? Was he and, and Jay Crowder was at Marquette too? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know they both kind of like. He's almost been the, oh, yeah, he's kind of a star, but he's not the guy we want to build around. And even he said, you guys move me and you're, you're keeping Tobias Harris? Right. Really? That's right. what you wanted to do? Um, he, he's everything that you would want out of a player. And he's not, he even admits, he's like, look, I'm not a great three-point shooter. That's why I don't take a ton of them. Uh, like, who, who does that? Who, who is that type of guy that's going to do every little thing that you want him to? And, oh, by the way, hey, we need you to score 25 a game. I can do that, too, if you need that. So, I, I love the guy. He's one of my favorite players in the league. It's, it's so much fun to watch him play. It is insane to watch that dude play. Jeremy Kahn is with us here on GCR, Big Bad Morning Show 105.7 The Fan. I know you guys were talking about the John Morant thing this morning. Reed and I didn't talk about it a ton because we did a special Mother's Day show yesterday. I, I'm in a weird place with this where I, I know it's bad. I, I know you don't want players holding guns. I'm just... I, and I and I think the part to me is like I'm more 
perplexed by the stupidity of it than I am the actual thing, right? Like, I, I, I know it's going to sound odd, but we do, we, you know, there is a... There is a Second Amendment in this country, and you do have the right mm-hmm. to own a gun. And, like, it's a weird sort of vibe that I have about this, whatever my... Like, I, I don't I don't know that I'm that mad about John Morant, you know, holding a gun, but I do get why it's such... Man, I, I'm talking myself in circles right now trying to say this, because well, I, I think that... I mean, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Go ahead. You, you I mean, try. So, so the point with this is there's a couple different things here that... Um, yeah, you know, he had the first incident where he was basically penalized because he was on Instagram Live on a video while they were on a team plane. So that's why that's why you get in trouble for that first, right? Brandishing a gun on Instagram Live. Um, or at least they knew that he had taken it on a team plane because they were in another city. This is just, to me, it's just sheer stupidity. And the only reason I want to see him get suspended, I don't want to see the season long or anything. He needs to get it figured out, man, because I don't know where he's going that he needs to worry about taking a gun with him. But again, this isn't my, that's not my fight. The, 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 the argument would be um, how much of the Memphis Grizzlies in the NBA worried about his actions, especially after just apologizing for doing it. So did he do anything wrong? No, not in the grand scheme of things, but after you've gotten busted and gotten in trouble for it and the NBA can do the whole NFL thing, uh, this is the brand, this is the logo and you're doing this or that. Um, but I think they need to protect himself from himself because he, let's be honest, he's not that guy. Like, you know, he's not out there doing all this stuff. I even saw some people talking about the gang signs that were being thrown up. So, I don't know, man. It's just not a good look, and I think somebody needs to save himself from himself, if you will. I agree with that. And that's the, it's the, it's the just sheer stupidity. Like, dude, what? Do, do you want to be a successful athlete? Like, do you want to be someone? And, and look, I get some people don't. I've talked about this a little bit with Gervonta, Jeremy, where, like, I, I fear that, he needs the chaos like mm-hmm. I think we all know people like this that just they can't operate without chaos they're not capable of it they can't you know it, it was it was um, Ricky Bobby's dad right like that was sort yeah. of the, the bit about and I'm not trying to because these are far more serious things than talking about Ricky Bobby's dad but the concept is similar like I can't just go sit down and have a meal with my family like I can't be that person, and I worry about that with some people. To your point, it doesn't make sense with John Morant. It's what everybody keeps pointing out. Like, this isn't your background. This isn't the way, like, you don't know this intrinsically in your blood the way that someone might say Gervonta does. But I still worry that there are just people that are not capable of operating without chaos being a part of their life. Yeah, maybe we do need Ricky Bobby's dad to put, uh, you know, a some uh, Colombian Bam Bam underneath his friend's right. car, so maybe Ja won't get in that car. Right. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, maybe passenger seat. Somebody needs to sit him down and talk to him about who he's hanging out with, what he's doing. You know, once you get to a certain point of your life, and I, I hate the idea that you know people feel like they have to leave people behind, but we've all done it. We've all cut friends out of our life because they weren't good for us, or you don't see eye to eye with them anymore, or whatever. I mean, there's there's all types of reasons for it. This guy. He's on a gravy train with biscuit wheels, and he's blowing it, man. He's he's blowing it big time. Uh, it's 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 crazy, man. It really is. It's it's absolutely nuts. All right, where are you with um? I, I I brought this up with Rita yesterday. I am completely. I've let all of my guard down. The Orioles can hurt me at this point. Like they, I, there is no. I I don't think that they can win a World Series this year. I don't think that's possible because I think the profile of a World Series winner has to include two top of the rotation pitchers and. 
you know, I think mm-hmm. one more big bat than they have. Like, I don't believe they can win a World Series. But, like, sh- outside of that, they can hurt me. Like, if they, for whatever reason, were to lose games and, you know, just miss out on a playoff spot this year, I would be hurt by it. I am that caught up. I am that romantically invested in this baseball team right now. But but isn't it better to have loved and have had your heart broken than I, to have never loved at all? I, I struggle with that because I know that's true. But yet at the same time, a year ago, I was protecting myself. Like a year ago, as things were turning, I was still saying like, hey, but it's not fair. I can't judge them by do they make the playoffs. I just love the fact they were playing meaningful baseball games. I kept saying like if they can get to Labor Day and Labor Day can feel like it matters, that's something we haven't felt in a long time. That'll be cool. I can appreciate it. And I've gone, I'm like racing past that now. They they can have a great season if they fall short or if they get swept out in the first round or something, I'm going to be hurt. Like, they can hurt me now. I am so caught up in I get that, but I'm, I'm kind of happy that it's here, though, right? Aren't you happy that we're finally back to this, where you, you feel like you're going to have meaningful games in September, you know, trying to figure out, am I watching the Ravens or the Orioles play, yeah. or, you know, like, all those things, setting both TVs up so you don't miss anything. Yep. Um, I don't know. I, I love all this stuff, man. Oh, I'm I'm with you. I am I'm measuring that with... Hey, but have you noticed the offense hasn't been great for the last couple of weeks, right? Like, I'm yeah, measuring that against some of these Everybody's other not telling me how wrong I was about Jorge Mateo for the past two weeks since he's not yeah, hitting. Yeah. Um, you know, like, it's, it's, it's all those things that, that, that encompass it. But, you know, ultimately we want to see him do well. I think, I think the, the thing for us, we were talking about it this morning, is um, we had Rick Dempsey on, and he said at some point somebody's going to go to Mike Elias and say, look, this guy's available, but are we willing to give up to go get him? Like, I mean, what happens if the Diamondbacks say we're willing to move on from Zach Gallen or, God forbid, the Pirates look over at Mitch Keller, who's finally figured it out and said, hey, we're willing to trade him. What happens if if the Angels say, hey, we're willing to move Otani? Are you willing to, you know, give them uh, (laughs) a bunch of the farm system to get the guy you want? Let's talk about that. I still don't think Mm -hmm. they can take on a rental this year. I still don't think they can do that. I think they can take on – you know, a player maybe with with this in another year, like a Corbin Burns type, right? Like, I could do that because I can start painting a picture where next year you could have a chance to compete for a World Series. I just don't think it's real. I don't think you're one player away from being a World Series winner this year. So I still would be very opposed to anything for a rental at this point. As much as I, I, I think part of it is they have to solve the problem of the logjam they have in certain situations, right? Like, they can't just hold on to... 20 middle infield prospects for forever. You're going to have to start doing something there to overall improve the team. I just don't think they can look at rentals. Yeah, and I think the hard part is we as fans looking at the team and knowing that they're playing well and we enjoy watching them. It's like I talked about this at the beginning of the season. You can clearly upgrade at first base, yep. uh, one of the corner outfield spots, um, second base. I think you can upgrade at shortstop, but you know we, we've talked about that. What are your plans for Jackson Holiday? Is he off limits to any type of trade? Um, if you're depending on who you're going to get, is that is that an untouchable now with the other guys that you deem untouchable? So, you know, but there's there's a lot of players like I, I hate saying this, but it wouldn't shock me at some point if they looked at Cedric Mullins and so, said, hey, we can do this. Let's you talk know, about like, that. Right. Let's talk about that, because mm-hmm. we've been having that conversation and Stan and I got into it on Friday. And this is even before what happened on Friday night. I have turned when it comes to Cedric Mullins. I have turned to he's too valuable to you. And I get it, like the arm stinks, and at some point if Colton Kowser is the guy you think he is, maybe it's you're moving him to one of the other corner outfield spots. But the totality yeah. of what he brings to the table, 
Everybody talks about how 2021 was anomaly, and it was. We all know he's not going to be a 30-home run guy. That's that's nuts. It was an amazing season. He's not a 30-home run hitter. And everything about him is so— And the so, ball is that year, too. Correct. So. And everything about him is so unique, right, because he's going to be 30 by the time he would hit free agency. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what his fit is within this. But I have convinced myself that— and I know he's not going to hit 455 with runners in scoring position for the entirety of the season either, but I do think that we've steadily seen him improve hitting with runners in scoring position the last couple of years, and we can now say it's a strength of his. So add in the way the rules were changed to benefit base stealers. I am more convinced that as much as I want them to invest in Rutschman right now, that if they were to come out and do like an Adam Jones type of thing where they were to announce a five- or six-year deal with Cedric Mullins last next week, it would be explosive. It would be something that everybody could get behind because I think he offers you enough. He is valuable enough in the totality of what he presents. His range, of course, being insane. And that catch on Friday night that everybody's forgotten about because he hit for the cycle was yeah. bonkers. I think the totality well, of that value is you need to start saying somebody's a part of this. And I, I love the idea of Colton Kowser. But you've got an answer. You've got a guy who kind of does a little bit of everything, and while he's not a superstar, is a damn good baseball player, and I think you have an opportunity right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm in that boat, too. I don't want to see him get moved, um, like, period. I, I, I love his defense out there. I love what he does for the team. I think I know what type of player he is. Every once in a while, he's going to run into a couple, uh, set the table. I just think he's a good guy, and it's it, it, you know a pleasure to have that guy in Baltimore with the, the style of play that he has. He hasn't shown he's injury prone, um, you know, like any of those things that would sway you away from signing a guy to a long-term deal. So, yeah, I'd rather see him stay here. I don't think there's many outfielders in the game that are as good as he. And I think you, you talked about his one major weakness being his arm. I can live with that, especially with the talent that you have in the other corner spots. And even if it's not one of the guys you have there now, it's going to be somebody else that you know they, they, they covet because this team does a really good job as far as evaluating talent and bringing guys in. Yeah, I, and again, if he's got to be a left fielder in the future, I can live with that too, right? Because I still think that the range matters. and, and mm-hmm. you're, You'd be doing that based on the idea that Colton Kowser is just that good, right? So yeah. give me all of that. Sign up. I don't know. I just feel like at some point this team has to stand up and say, this is our guy. You Be in love with this guy. Don't worry about whether he's going to be gone. And I've, I've said that, of course, we know Rutschman is the answer because Rutschman is the superstar. But I start to feel a little bit of the Jones-Machado thing. We're all very upset about Machado and how they handled that. But thankfully, they had Adam Jones, who was a centerpiece for this franchise for a long time and became a truly beloved player in this city. And I know that Cedric Mullins might not quite be Adam Jones, certainly isn't the vocal guy that Adam Jones was. But there is something there, and it wouldn't pacify you not signing Adley Rutschman. You need to figure that out, too. But I think it goes a long way to just say to a community, fall in love. That thing that you felt on Friday night when you saw one of the most magical moments that you've seen in recent Oriole Park Camden Yards history, embrace that. Be It's okay to fall in love with this guy. We're telling you he's going to be around for a little while. You can let your guard down a little bit and just say, this is my guy who I want to celebrate. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, look, look. There's there's a lot of talent on this team. People are going to develop their favorite players and who they like. And the hard part is when you get good, guys become expendable. So, I mean, that's that's where we're at right now. Is trying to figure out what this team's going to look like in the future. So, I um, 
I don't know. I, I trust the front office. They're going to make some moves that I probably don't like, but I trust them. Right. And look, the, the Mancini thing was painful a year ago, but we got it. We understood where they were as a franchise and the move that they were making, and I, it's still painful because we loved him. I just don't know. This one, this one to me, you start to get to the point where you've got to start announcing that players are a part of this thing. You've got to start figuring that out and recognizing the moment. What's going yeah, on? Get with, some guys locked up for the yep, long term. Yep. Uh, what's going on with you guys this week? Well, I hope everybody's back. Ed was out today with a bad back. As you can hear, people are angry at themselves um, and each other driving on the road out here. I don't know if you can hear those horns in the background. I can background. hear him. Um, but no, it'll be all of us back together, kind of busting each other's shops. Hopefully, Ed's back tomorrow, but it should be a good week. Um, of course, ConcreteLocks.com, C-O-N-N, ConcreteLocks.com as well, and picks at PressBoxOnline.com. Appreciate you, pal. We'll talk to you again next Monday. Love you, buddy. Thanks, man. I'll see you guys. Jeremy Kahn, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan with us here on GCR. I did some, somebody react to my comment and said, what, tell me why it's different than, you know, say an Anthony Santander who does so many different things. So it's a fair question, right? Like, why is it that I have anointed Cedric Mullins? Well, I guess what I would start with is that I don't know how many, di- there's two things to me that Anthony Santander does reasonable pop and obviously his arm uh you saw him steal that base yesterday thank uh, you it's a great point speedster yes. absolute just just horse um i like anthony santander and i don't know that you're going to specifically do better this becomes the weird you know H- heston kerstad is when anthony santander to me goes under the microscope right and Heston Kerstad looks like he's flying at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's room for Cedric Mullins, even if Colton Kowser pans out. I think a primary outfield, and I get it, like you're going to play more guys than this moving forward, of some combination of Colton Kowser, Cedric Mullins, and Heston Kerstad works. And I'm projecting a little bit there because I'm saying Heston Kerstad by next season is here. And I don't know that they're in as much as of a rush about that, but, you know, he, this is a college baseball player. This is a little bit, I think the way that he's performed, you're, you're moving that forward mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't feel quite as good about a future outfield of Kalzer Santander and then throwing in. And I know that in all these scenarios, I'm dismissing, dismissing Austin Hayes. And that's probably unfair because. He's he's had a nice season, obviously. He's missing this Ryan year. McKenna. Hey, I think that one I think is a little bit more acceptable in this process. I think we can live a little bit more with dismissing Ryan Kenna, Ryan McKenna. I don't know who Ryan Kenna is. Um, but Austin Hayes, I do think, is a factor in all of this. I'm not trying to suggest that that's not the case, but I think we all believe that Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad are definitely two parts of your outfield moving forward. So to me, it's sort of like. Well, then who makes the most sense to be the third? Because I'm confident in those two guys at the moment. I mean, unless something changes. And it seems like, I mean, Cedric's highs have been well, high I mean, enough. Again, and I'm dismissing, and I'm dismissing 30 home runs. I, I yeah. can't even talk about 30 home runs. It's absurd. He's not going to hit 30 home runs. Because it feels weird to say he's more consistent than Santander, but like it kind of... Feels that I, way. What with I would, what all I would the different say things is, he brings. That's sort of what yeah. it's. There's more 
I think there's more complete. If Santander was a 40 home run guy, I would feel differently about this, right? Like if he was Adam Duvall, maybe I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, like if he was Adam Duvall. Yeah, maybe you he was Adam. Him along. Yeah, I probably do. Now, of course, you're trading off something there because I think he's a better overall hitter than Adam Duvall has been. You know, you'd have to to tell me that I'm he's wrong. He's had about forty, that. I think, at some point. What's Duvall, that? Duvall had forty one years. No, I mean like yeah. a better, a more complete hitter. Oh yeah, like average just, wise. Yes. And just, yeah. Duvall's definitely had some some down mm-hmm. seasons as far as his average is concerned. But you would dive into the stats a little bit more and say, well, look at his OBP versus like you know, I I don't off the top of my head, I don't know all of those things. Um, but yeah, if Anthony Santander was a consistent turbo power, I mean, like that the power was just crazy. Last year he had 33 home runs, and you started to say like, okay, well if that's the power you can bring, you make a spot, you figure that out. And I'm not telling you that I want to cast aside Anthony Santander either. What would he be on pace for this year? They're about a quarter of the way through the season. He's got five home. He'd be on pace for about a 20 home run season this year. I I think last year the question was, do you believe that that was the power that he could present? Because if he started trending in that direction, if all of a sudden this year he goes on a stretch where you start to realize, like, this dude is going to be a 35 home run hitter. I mean, year in, year out, that's game-changing. But that's not really, you know, trying to project some of these numbers gets difficult because mm-hmm. then he did hit 11 home runs in the pandemic season, so now project that, right? Like, if that's a complete season, that's a 40-plus. Right. That's a pace to like hit 30, 40. At least 35, yeah. Like, so it's hard. It's hard to get these answers. I am more inclined to say if you feel like you need to trade someone at the major league level to keep fortifying Santander looks like the better path to me than trading Mullins because I just feel like without me knowing confidently that he's that type of bat I'm going to end up man I really am going to end up talking myself this is a good question I don't remember who asked it Dave Dave asked this because then somebody would say, well, who is your power bat at that point, right? Like, if you're moving on from Santander, where is the power coming from? You could just be like the White so, Sox and not so have answer, a power. But the answer would be Mountcastle, right? Yeah. Like, that would be the, but how confident are you in Mountcastle as being a definitive power bat moving forward? Uh, uh, boy, this is not. I'm just going to start platooning the four. Well, but then the answer <laughs> almost becomes, right? Like, th- then you're moving Santander to. At some point. I, I don't think you can both have Santander and Mountcastle and have questions about both of them as being like they're they're capable power bats, but they're not consistent, defined, you know with confidence they're thirty to thirty five home run hitters every season. Or they really, you know, they start developing Santander as a first baseman, Kowser I mean Kowser and Hurstad, I guess you're not gonna make them play first base, but no. Santander, make him figure out first base. And if, Which if you're ready to move on from Alcast, I don't know if that's fair I mean, to I'm say. Not, I'm not, I don't, that's the, I don't want to say that either. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this is the difficult part about having this conversation. And it's Jeremy's point that awkward decisions have to be made. You can't just keep everyone. I am circling Cedric Mullins because I think that the complete package and the track record that you now have of the complete package at the major league level is is so valuable that I can't move on from that. 
I can live if a guy does something pretty. It's so like I'm setting 40 home runs is like the benchmark, and that's such an absurd number, right? Like you're a viable power bat if you're hitting 30 home runs. If I could be confident that you're going to be a 30 home run hitter every year, then I want you in the middle of the order. But I can't have multiple guys in the middle of the order that I'm not confident are that guy. I would also say that it maybe you don't have to trade any of them this year. Again, maybe the real answer is that you have to trade your middle infield prospects. The difficult difficulty being they probably want to do a little bit of both things, and it's the part that we won't like. That when they say they're the next Tampa, they're looking to maximize someone's value in order to continue to fortify their system, but maybe at the same time trade from their strengths in order to fortify other places on their major league team. It could be both things. It could be that they both trade prospects to acquire a pitcher and trade a major league hitter to acquire prospects. So we do see a Cedric Mullins-type deal. Like, we see them deal with Cedric Mullins just because... They could. I'm saying... They know they have cows are coming and... Right. I'm saying I don't think they should. Right, right. I think Mullins is a guy they should now look at and identify as a piece of this thing. And there's a four- to five-year window there. There's a... Again, he's 28 right now. If you gave him a five- or six-year deal right now, I don't think it's going to be so horrendous at the end of it. Clearly, you're not giving him a 10-year deal, but that's kind of the point. It's what makes it more... Cedric Mullins knows his situation, too. Given that he's going to be post-30 by the time he gets to free agency, presumably he and his camp would be a little bit more inclined to play ball in extension talks right now than, say, Adley Rutschman, who you got to bowl over because he's got one big shot at becoming a free agent in a couple of years. Mullins is in a unique situation where... I don't know that you really want to go to free agency as a center fielder post-30. You do well if you can continue to produce over the next couple of seasons, but there's a limit to it. Whereas if you can get a reasonable deal right now that pays you well, keeps you in a market that you like, where you've been happy, where you've been a part of the turnaround, I think there's a unique opportunity here with Cedric Mullins to find a deal that works for both parties. And that is beneficial and, again, starts to stake a claim. And then I would almost say you start solving everything else from there. You solve these things as they become problems. I don't feel like you have to run out anyone at the deadline this year. Their answer would be, well, then where are the roster spots coming from for the next group of guys? When we do call up Colton Kowser, well, turn Vavra. That's that's where the roster spot comes from. No offense. Nice enough guy. But that's where the roster... Okay, where does the playing time come from? Then it gets a bit more tricky. That's the part, right? The part is the logjam. The part is the not everyone can be on the major league team. So where are the opportunities coming from? Maybe the last two weeks have been a reminder of as enamored as we were with Jorge Mateo's start, if they can find someone that still thinks that Jorge Mateo is an asset, then the last couple of weeks might have reminded that his best asset is as a trade piece and not necessarily as... And that's a tough one because Jorge Mateo looked like you know the MVP yeah. of the league for the first month of the season. But that was 
probably not a fair way of looking at Jorge Mateo. And even if he's a good baseball player, you start doing the math on, but that's an area where we have a lot coming. He's at an advanced age already. That's where we can come away with not only creating the opportunity for the next player, but at the same time, also fortifying, again, bringing in more prospects that we like as this continues to go. It's very difficult, but I just think that's what the Orioles are going to try to be as a team that's doing both things, that's both acquiring and moving and trying to figure out a way to maximize. I just don't think Cedric Mullins should be the, the way that they do it. I've, I've come around on that. I think Cedric Mullins, the range, the speed, yeah. he's a this year he's been mashing against lefties. It's insane what he's doing against lefties this year. And obviously insane what he's doing with runners in scoring position. Just got to keep batting him lead off against lefties. I mean, at this point, I don't know why. I mean, why not? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with it's you. It's weird because his numbers against righties are actually down. Yeah. <laughs> like really down this year. So it's like a kind of a weird anomaly. But I, I do think that corrects a little bit as the season goes on. Um, I, I think it has to. <laughs> Like, I think it's nuts. I, I had to pull up those splits again. I was looking at them last night. Like, is this right? <laughs> like, there's yeah. just no way. I mean, I agree with you, and uh, and I would love to see Cedric Mullins be part of this complete turnaround as they, you know, hopefully win a World Series in the next several years. And, and it's weird and because we, we but wanted, when, they, when we hear things like next Tampa, it makes you think you know, Cedric Mullins is. That's, this is the, I, at some point, though, someone has to be, someone has to be a centerpiece. Someone has to be a guy that we're allowed to fall in love with. You have to identify that. And Mullins, at the price, makes all the sense in the world. Now, I get it. A year ago, at this time, we were talking about Austin Hayes as being that guy, right? Like, But now, I can say, okay, we were, we were swept up. We are a few years into this with Cedric Mullins. I said, to those of you that were disappointed by Cedric Mullins a year ago, I thought you missed it. And I brought this up a few times. I thought Cedric Mullins' 2021 season was him backing, or sorry, his 22 season, was him backing up that 2021 was legitimate and announcing him as, no, as announcing him as a quality player. It didn't back up 30 home runs because that's not what he is. And if you were judging him by that, it was unfair. That's not what Cedric Mullins is going to bring to the table. But it backed up him being a quality player. Pull up what his, uh, his, Pull up Fangraph's war. Pull up what his war was from a year ago. Uh, oh, a year ago? Because, I, again, I know earlier I did the math that he was leading the team in war right now. Uh, by the way, this year, these splits are just weird. 304 against lefties. 250 against righties. Oof. Wow. It makes no sense. It's befuddling. How does it go back to switch hitting? Switch hitting, you know, right-handed against right-hitters. Right. right. Or and right-handed they, pitchers. Yeah, and left-handed against left-handed pitchers. The weirdest thing in the world, wouldn't it be? Um, I do think that that will get corrected a little bit, and I think that as that gets corrected a little bit, you know, he's been a 267 hitter this year. I think that number could slightly uptick. I think he could be more like a 270, 275 hitter this season, which would be extraordinary. Yeah, um, he was second on the team last year and more. What was the, uh, what was the number? 3.5, so Adley was so 5.3. So that's was not overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's not pretend like that makes him a superstar, but again, I think it's re- it speaks to all of the many things he does for a baseball team despite the fact that he doesn't have an arm, right? Like, all of the things that he can offer to help a baseball team win. He's not a star player. He's not ever going to be Ken Griffey Jr. He did make an all-star game, obviously. I don't know if he'll ever make another one, right? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, 
Part of it is that the Orioles aren't going to need All-Stars. Like, you're not going to have to squint to put an Oriole in an All-Star right. game again. M- maybe when you're that good, it does happen to be that more players get invited just because you're a good player on a good team. If we had to pick our All-Stars now, that's when we, won't, we won't do that. I mean... Cano, Bautista... And, and, and Rutschman, obviously, yes. I think are the are the three that you would believe would be all stars at the moment. And even Bautista, I would say, is like not a guarantee, mm-hmm. just because you never know in ro- in construction of an all star roster needing to get certain players on. From it does. It, it seems like he's a little kind of uh, just that. You know, what am I watching when you see him on the mound? Like, what do you mean? Just like because he's so big and he throws so hard. Oh, I think he's a, a, that, that there's yeah, enough I think draw there's a bit there of a phenomenon there. I don't yeah. disagree with that. Yeah. that. That might make him interesting, but it would just be a question of do they need the spot for somebody else, right? Like, do they need to get somebody else's relief arm on the team? And Cano has been so ridiculous that you you kind of can't leave Cano off at this point. So if they said, hey, we got it, I, and, and I don't know who I'm talking about, if there's some, you know, if there's some Royals reliever that has to make the team. Then they say, "Hey, look, we got to pick one or the other. We're going to pick Cano because Cano has been ridiculous." But yes, I would say those three guys would be probably all stars at the moment. And then there would be, you know, argument for Mateo if he gets back to that point. Mm-hmm. If Mullins, you know, there would be argument for other guys. But I think those three would be the Orioles all stars right now. All right, we got to wrap up. Yeah. I got I got things to do. You Quinn gotta, Williams you gotta, took uh, the uh, Jets out of his I bio. saw that. I don't. I have no reaction to that whatsoever. None. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Tidbit is brought to you by pressboxonline.com slash offers. There's some big news in the world of... Uh, points bet last night uh, fanatics is apparently acquiring points bet really? which is a big story uh but from he, nbc i guess like points bet? bet points bet was nbc wasn't it i don't i don't think they were owned by nbc oh, no I they might they have like partnered, partnered oh, i think okay. they might have partnered different with NBC, things but yeah, yeah i don't think they were owned by nbc at all uh, you can get five second chance bets from PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50, but you have to go to pressboxonline.com slash offers in order to claim this incentive and much more. Uh, so Joel Embiid, he averaged 33.1 points per game in the regular season. He was a leading scorer in the NBA, uh, and then he only averaged 23 points a game in the playoffs. That is a minus, or sorry, it was 23.7, so it was a minus 9.4 point drop-off uh, from the regular season to the playoffs, the biggest Look, that's the largest drop off by any league MVP uh, in NBA history. Yeah, so Joel did not have a great playoff. Well, he and he and Harden can't do it all by themselves. I don't know if you heard that after the game. Is that what but he said? Apparently, somebody. Uh, by the way, the other clip after the game was. Um, well, he used the Giannis quote. Right? Well, he did. Yeah, he brought something up about that. But no, somebody asked Harden like. Uh, you know, what's your relationship like with Doc Rivers? You said he was a big part of the reason why you wanted to come here, and he was like, "Yeah, we're fine." <laughs> like, Did you see Ben Simmons like put on his uh, story? He was just why wa- he was just watching the the game, just watching. Yeah, I mean, what is the ben- Sixers lost? I guess because he doesn't like the Sixers still. It's or? fine, but like, gee, you're Ben Simmons guy. <laughs> Hit a shot in your life, and then maybe you get to talk. Like, I, guess imagine, he, I, guess, I mean, I guess he's at the point ben where he just Simmons doesn't trolling. care. Yeah, like I mean, he's he's been. He's taking it all, so he's like, I mean, what do I care? I'm just. Gonna- I, it's fine, <laughs> but like, there's just no value to it whatsoever. Like, some people get to have the right to troll. Like, right. you know, you you really screwed this one up. What the f were they supposed to do about Ben Simmons, the guy that wouldn't shoot when he was two feet from the basket? 
What are you supposed to do about that? Again, I get that he looked better in Brooklyn. I understand that, like, he actually hit a shot or two, and it was like, whoa. But stop. You're Ben Simmons. Jason Tatum became the first player ever to record 50 points in the regular season, postseason, and the All-Star game in the same year. It's the most meaningless stat that you could have ever introduced to this. What does that mean? Who It's impressive. Cares. It's impressive. No, he had an impressive fi- game. 50 points in the regular season and the postseason is impressive. I agree with that. Josh Naylor uh, hit a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning on Friday, Saturday, and yesterday. I did not know that. He is the first player ever to, okay, sorry, first player since the expansion era, 1961, uh, to hit a go-ahead home run in the eighth inning or later in three straight games. Josh Naylor for the Cleveland Guardians. Good for Josh Naylor. Yes. I have nothing else to say, but good for Josh Naylor. Monty Williams, he is out as the Phoenix Suns head coach. Yeah, I, Monty Williams is one of the most beloved figures in basketball. I think mm-hmm. A lot of people know his story of his wife uh, passing away a few years ago, and, and he's just thought of as a leader and, and a good man, and I respect the hell out of Monty Williams, and I was really not only excited when he got the job in Phoenix, but what he did in the bubble to get that team to believe that they had the right to win was really incredible. But yeah, like Luke texted me on Saturday night. I was watching guardians of the galaxy when the news came out. Great movie. Uh, I did. I thought it was really good. The first 40 minutes were tricky really because it was, it was not very funny for the first 40 minutes and it was kind of, there was enough drags moments. It left me feeling awkward and then and from there, it just picked up and mm-hmm. was so good after that point. Like, God, it was unbelievable. I'm not sure how I feel about the direction. Oh, God, I got a text. Uh, what's his face about it? I got a text. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Billy Cook. Yeah, Billy Cook about I have a lot of thoughts because I understand yeah. why he's conflicted about, like, the future of all right. of this. Because well, yeah. I don't want to give anything okay. away. I mean, I don't know. It's been two weeks. I feel yeah. like everybody's got the chance to go see it. But there's two very diverging paths right. moving forward, which I think is not. It seems like they're kind of almost setting up, you know, some Guardians TV shows on Disney Plus. Well, that's the thing. That nobody, sort of thing. nobody can answer me like what what's going to be a movie versus what's right. going to be a Disney Plus thing. I thought it was the end. Like, yeah. I thought well, going in, this it was, was it's James Gunn's last Marvel right. movie. So like before he, he's, yeah, he's going to DC. DC, which is stupid. Good luck, bud. <laughs> stupid. I know that he's James Gunn and all that, but like that's stupid. Um, I'm I'm just in a weird place with. Am I excited? Just how they all split? Or like, am, mm-hmm. yeah, but like, what, what am I excited about? Am I excited about it? Like, I, it was. This seemed like it was set up so well to be the end. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like to just be the conclusion of everything. That then I'm. I was like, do I really want? I don't know. I'm in a weird place with that. Yeah. I'm gonna remind. Give me Billy's number. Okay. We got a text about. Right, I will. I will. Um, so he joins uh, Monty Williams. Ah, hell, if you don't want to, just leave. There's Star-Lord's going one way. Yes. Rocket, Rocket and, and Groot. Groot are taking a new group in a different way, involving uh, the star of the film is the oh, kid Will from Will, We're the Millers. Will Poulter. I, I cannot believe. They needed to take his shirt off earlier. Holy F. How is that kid that? How? How? There was oh, there was another movie I think he was he's in that I think uh, he was in Dope Sick that I remembered and he like I started to see him becoming more mature and like you started like he was different in Dope Sick obviously than he was in. We're trying Millers. to like, figure out why he worked out like so hard. Like there was had to been another movie. Jesus Christ! What is that? <laughs> it's one of the most ridiculous glow ups in the history of. 
humankind. Holy hell. Will Poulter was the kid, the dopey kid from We're the Millers. That Wait, Je- you guys are getting paid? That Jennifer Aniston, Jason Sudeikis movie where he got to make out with both of them, despite the fact that he was a nerd. <laughs> I don't know who the other girl was. I don't remember the girl. Uh, yeah, I, can't I don't. I don't, I don't remember. But my God, he is a star. His oh, it was Emma Roberts. Yeah. It was Emma Roberts. Yeah. Jesus, his presence on the screen was unbelievable. And then he obviously was the biggest scene of the movie was yeah. his scene. Jesus, I cannot. How? Oh, it's one of the most incredible. I've I, try to explain Nikola Jokic, Shohei Otani. Go try to explain this. <laughs> Will Poulter is a star. So bizarre, man. So bizarre. I thought he was, you know, McLovin. I thought he was Christopher Mintz Plus, who probably could walk down the street right now. Well, we'd probably recognize that he was yeah, McLovin, maybe. but like. Who knows what he's doing with his career? This guy is a movie star. It's incredible. Sorry, go ahead. Musical's great too. Oh Everything yeah, the Monty Williams thing. Yes. I, they got they lost their last two elimination games by like fifty points each. Yeah, I, I, combined I, like sixty or something. I'm not saying I was rooting for him to be fired, but I get it. Right. I'm nervous about Matt Ishbia because the reports were like he's making all of the decisions. He's I'm gonna like, hire Dude, himself. You've been. You've been... It's like, you sold me Depp of Jokic. Yeah, thank you. And, like, you played basketball at Michigan State, so you're definitely qualified. I'm not... I'm a little bit nervous about Matt Ishbia. Um, the the Suns had the worst owner outside of Dan Snyder in sports and Robert Sarver for years. There, you read that report again. Um, there were some words that he casually used that he should not have been casually using. He was terrible. So I'm a little bit nervous about that, but I understand. I do understand. You can't just get your brains beat in in back-to-back home elimination games and just be like, hey, but all's good, right? Like, it doesn't work that way. And you're not getting rid of Durant, and you're not getting rid of Devin Booker. They're going to try to get rid of DeAndre Ayton, and there'll be some questions in hindsight about, like, should Ayton have been the guy that you were trying to trade in order to land Durant? And I don't know that they would have wanted that, but, boy, do they look like a team that could have used Bridges a lot more than yeah. Aiton during the course of the playoffs. So they'll try to do something with Aiton. I just don't know. I, I don't know what you can get for DeAndre Aiton at this point. I, I, I guess there's always bad teams, and like having a good player is better than not having a good player. But yikes, DeAndre Aiton. Yeah. Just interesting. So the last four head coaches, so over the last six seasons, four different head coaches have had the best record in the NBA. They are all no longer currently right, the team. Right, because Bud, Budenhol- Micah, yeah. Budenholzer. Quinn uh, Snyder with the Jazz oh, in 2020 had the best record. Uh, and then Mike D'Antoni with the Rockets in 2018. Of course, of course, no longer there. Yeah, Monty Williams joins that list. Uh, Friday and Saturday, I uh, hope you saw that the Cardinals beat the Red Sox as the Red Sox blew saves back-to-back uh, oh, nights with Kenley Jansen. Yeah, just it was a, a real shame. shame. Uh, the first time the Red Sox have lost back-to-back games after leading in the ninth inning since June 27th and 28th of 2000. <sighs> That's just, against wretched. the Orioles. Both wretched. of those games against the Orioles. Two, in 2000? What year? June 27th uh, and 28th, 2000. 2000? And the I Orioles for anything about yeah. that. And then the next day I was born. Ah, look at that. <laughs> look at that. It's been all downhill from there. <laughs> starting to come up, it seems like, right? Yeah, I hope. Uh, Mitch Keller obviously had an unbelievable game uh, yesterday. He became the yeah. first Pirates pitcher ever with 13 strikeouts, no walks, and no runs allowed. 
against the Orioles. He also became the seventh pitcher get to do that against. Wait, let me make sure I get my math right. I think he was the actually the eighth. Four, five, six. Seven. Yeah, it was the eighth pitcher since 2000 to do that against the Orioles. I want to see if you can name the other seven, because they are all very notable pitchers that have went 13 strikeouts, no runs, and no walks against the Orioles since 2000. They're all very notable pitchers. Yes. Surprisingly, only two of them have won Cy Young. This is the weird part. Okay. Which is why, because I looked at the list, I was like, oh, wow, these guys are all, oh, sorry, three of them have won Cy Young. CC Sabathia. Not CC. David Price. Not David Price. All right. You're in the right. This is, these, these are Chris your guesses. Sale. Chris Sale with the Boston Red Sox in 2017. 13 strikeouts in eight innings against the Orioles. Andy Pettit. Not Andy Pettit. Mike Messina. Mike Messina did do it with the Yankees in 2001. 13 strikeouts in a complete game. Roger Clemens. Not Roger Clemens. Felix Hernandez. Not Felix. Hisashi Iwakuma when he threw a no-hitter. <laughs> no. It did happen, though. Um, okay. How about uh, Chris Archer? Not Chris Archer. The Ray did it in 2017. Mm, 2017. Morton? Not Charlie Morton. Uh, he would have still been in Houston at that point, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. There was a Ray in 27. That's the problem with looking at the Rays. Yeah. Trying to remember he won the year. Cy Young the next year. He won the Cy Young. Oh. Um, oh, my God. Uh, uh, shut up. Um, it's not a Ray now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, bl- uh, 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 Blake Snell. Yeah. Yep, Blake, yeah, Blake Snell. Snell. Blake Snell. 13 strikeouts in seven innings against the Orioles in 2017. So that happened. So Chris Snell and Snell did it within two weeks of each other oh, okay. in 2017. That was a rough year. Yeah. Thought they were gonna be good. They were not. Nope. Nope. No, they were not. Breaking. Um once somebody did it in twenty twenty one, twenty nineteen, and that's not, that's not helpful. Okay. That's not helpful. We got uh Verlander. Not Verlander. Granky. Not Granky. Scherzer when he was in Detroit. Not Scherzer. So there's it's a Yankee and a Guardian. A Yankee and a Guardian. Kluber? Not Kluber. Clevenger? Not Clevenger. Carrasco? Not Carrasco. Bauer? The other one. Not Bauer. The other one. The other He's still one. still on the team, yeah. Who's still on the team. Yes. Oh, God, my brain. <laughs> Named all of them. I know. Who did I not name? Uh, <laughs> shut up. All right. God, what is wrong with you? To... Let me think. Sorry, right. I don't like seeing you struggle over here. Damn, man. I'm just trying to think over here. Oh, it is 1229. All right, we might have to speed this up. Shares the last name with a... Uh... Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Don't do that. Don't okay. do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, still on the Quantrill? No, not Quantrill. Bieber? Shane Bieber, yes. I thought I said Bieber. That's no, he did not say uh, Bieber. Shane Bieber, 15 strikeouts in a complete game. Shut out. Oh, he shares the last name with the pop star. All right, yes, all right, yes. That's where you're going. Uh, we have Yankee who did it in 2021. Yankee did it in 21. Cole? Yes, Garrett Cole. Yeah. Garrett Cole had 13 strikeouts. Then we have a, he is known for being on the Mets, but he did this with the Twins in 2004. Two-time Cy Young winner. R.A. Dickey. Not R.A. Dickey. Two-time Cy Oh, Santana. Yes, Johan Santana had 14 strikeouts. And then in 2000, this Boston Red Sox pitcher. 2000. Hideo Noomo when he threw the no-hitter. No. 
He also no hit the Orioles as a Red Sox. That did happen. Tim Wakefield. Not Tim Wakefield. Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez, yes. Those are the seven, now eight Orioles with Mitch Keller doing that. 13 strikeouts. No runs, no walks right. against the O's. All right, we got to fly. Tubular is brought to you. What the hell happens to us? We get so bogged down, and all of a sudden I look up, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Tubular is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance. Will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. Um, of course, Orioles, Angels, tonight, 6.30 on Mass and Shohei Otani, Grayson Rodriguez. Great night to be at the ballpark. The Preakness draw this afternoon, 5.30 from uh, the Guinness Brewery is where they're hosting it. Uh, you can watch it on Maryland Racing's YouTube page. Game 7 tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Kraken and Stars for the right to take on the Golden Knights in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, the baseball you can find at glennclarkradio.com. And USA for Liverpool, Leicester at 3. WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Uh, new episode of White House Plumbers and uh, TMZ Investigates. It's Britney Spears after the price of freedom. Sure. And they're trying to make it all sure. dramatic. That's sure. on Fox. Very good. If you haven't signed up yet, pressboxonline.com slash contest. Win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. An Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older. Sweepstakes ends June 14th. Pressboxonline.com slash offers. Thanks today to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Jen Adams from Loyola. Thanks to Marty Mornweg. Thanks to Mark Gubiza and to Rick Dempsey. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at uh, tomorrow on the program, Police Commissioner Michael Harrison, uh, the Baltimore City, is going to join us in studio. Uh, so look forward to seeing him. We're going to talk about uh, it being Preakness Week. We're also going to talk about, um, you know, we're going to talk about uh, this downtown safety, things like that. Trying to get more people to go to games. Uh, we're going to talk about legal weed and what is that? Ooh. I really do want to know these. Like, can I just walk around the streets smoking weed? Like, what? I don't know what the rules are. Not that I'm saying I'm going to do that. Just what are the rules? So we have this. Glenn needs to know. I, I, but I'm fascinated by it. Like I really am fascinated by it. Can I just you're wandering around between? You do it on before. the stream. Like we can just. I, I don't. I oh yeah, like Elon Musk did one spot a time uh, with Joe Rogan. I, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. We'll talk about that with Michael Harrison. Um, and uh, Patrick will join us as he does every Tuesday. Stuff and things, yes. of course, as well. Thank. Oh, do we have any stuff and things? Yeah, stuff uh, and things. No, okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, All-American Lacrosse, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go Birds. Duke sucks.